Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Silo. This is a Mangup Talks podcast dedicated to breaking down each and every episode of the Apple Plus TV series Silo. I am your host, Lee. I'm here on show by my co-host Spencer. Spencer, how are you today? Doing excited. You know, I'm excited, man. I was going to this episode not certain what kind of penultimate episode this would be. I think, like, the world has been altered by episode nines of Game of Thrones about what you expect about what's the second to last episode of a season of television. So I didn't know what we were going to get out of this, and it was exciting to see it play out. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think that we're we're heading toward not a great place for our favorite character, our favorite character, both of us, Juliet. Oh, yeah. Oh, Juli- Juliet, was who you were going to answer for that question? Juliet? Okay, I understand who our favorite character our is, Our favorite sure. character, absolutely. But yeah, I think a lot of characters are really struggling in this episode. It's a lot to talk about, a lot to take in, and it does set up for a very interesting finale. I don't think that this show um, is taking the same model as Game of Thrones, where episode nine is no. the biggest one, right? Th- this was more of a setup. This yeah. was a build. This was putting the pieces that are on the board for the final play kind of thing. And the pieces that are arrayed, it seemed like they're going to make for an exciting game. I'll tell you another show that did not do that same model, did not rely on the penultimate episode to really drive the plot, relied on the finale more. And that is Wheel of Time Season 2. And we are recording and breaking down each and every episode of Wheel of Time Season 2 over on the podcast, a As the Wheel of Time Turns. That's called As the Wheel of Time Turns. You get it? Remember daytime? <clears throat> Anybody remember daytime TV soap operas? Anyway, <clears throat> that's the name of the podcast. very vaguely. That's the name of the I know that's that boy. That's long gone. And as the wheel of time turns, it's myself, my wife, and BJ, and his uh, wife Bree, who are breaking down each and every episode of season two. I got to tell you, season two quite fucking good. I think you, if you, ha- if, the, if anybody listening to this podcast has not checked out Wheel of Time, I would uh, strongly recommend you do so. It is my prediction. My thorough prediction, flag in the sand, Spencer, that this is the next big fantasy series. This is the next big thing. We're gonna in, in, two years from now, you'll see the Wheel of Time shirts. There'll be the cons. There'll be the big numbers. There'll be everything. I think this is the next thing. Have the numbers come back? So the numbers, that were, no, the numbers and response from season one were a little bit disappointing. Have, 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 I know the reviews have gotten significantly better. Has the audience share also improved with it? It's a little hard to tell with Amazon. Um, of course, yeah, Amazon okay. plays close, close to the best with those. Yeah, and a little hard to tell, you know, based on how people are ingesting this type of media these days. I can say that, like, the online presence is is a lot bigger. And that it's brought a lot of the Robert Jordan fans, the people who read Wheel of Time back into the fold. So I'm really hopeful that this show is going to continue to build and will continue to break down each and every episode over on As the Wheel of Time Turns. We are going to be releasing this week our review of the finale. That is the episode eight the finale of season two. That is coming out this week. So go check that out. Subscribe to it. But I think that's enough Wheel of Time talk, Spencer. We got silo talk here. We got segments. We will start with a recap. I'll leave the recap. Spencer will chime in. Let me know where I have made mistakes, probably, over and over again, probably. Uh, witticisms, probably some interesting anecdotes. Pro- I mean, you know what? You know what I think we're going to get this week, folks. I think we're going to get an awful lot of personal stories about Spencer um, telling a lot about his personal life and how he feels about things and being really vulnerable. That's what I predict this week. Well, you know, every now and then you have to bet on the horse with three legs. You know, sometimes you just got to hope like like hell that three-legged Jim makes it around the edge of the track. So I support your bet here. <laughs> you can't believe you bet on that horse. It broke its leg in warm-ups. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Spitzer's going to do it. He's going to do it this episode. He's going yeah, to be vulnerable. What you're actually going to get is me bringing back my theory from, like, episode two, because I saw those damn same Via birds once again in this episode, and I'm so I'm 
hanging my hat on that theory you mocked me for that I think, again, with that same little V flock of birds, that we're going to talk about that theory once more. Yes, we are, because we have segments. After we leave the recap, we do the recap, we go, seg- we go through our segments, so we start with best line of the episode. I and I alone are in for a best line of the episode, so I will select best line of the episode. However, Spencer, every week, gamely supplies me with nominees, which he will do this week. This week is no different. We will jump to Silo Citizen of the Week, where one person, usually only one, gets awarded the Silo Citizen of the Week. What does that mean? What's the definition of Silo Citizen of the Week? Your guess is as good as ours. We typically make Getting it up harder. on the fly, but at least we will offer our definition when we give our particular candidates for that award at the end of the episode. And then we'll jump into Theory Times and Speculation, which I increasingly can be a part of week over week. At this point, I can pretty much be involved in all theories and speculation. I mean, the plot does, of course, move a little bit in the finale, but it's one episode, right? It's just one episode. So I can I can mm-hmm. participate for the most part in all of that talk. And that'll be a lot of fun, you know, when we review the finale is to, to do some, some theory and speculation about what season two is going to hold. Neither one of us have read the books. We don't know what the source material is. Neither one of us have uh, uh, checked it out, right? Neither one of us have, have, sought, have seeked it out because um, neither one of us want to be spoiled about what's going on. So when we're doing the theory time and speculation, it is not based on book canon at all, just, just in case you have read the books. All right, Spencer, I think I have properly warmed us up here. Are we ready to go? Let's start the getaway. Woo! Season 1, Episode 9, The Getaway. Previously on has a whole situation with searching for the hard drive from last episode. Sims freaking out. References to the first sheriff we saw, the hidden cameras. Bernard's reveal with Juliet at the end of um, that episode where he kind of dropped the bomb on who he is. Bernard and Sims lying about Juliet, saying she wants to go outside. They're not going to stop until I go outside or go over that fucking rail. And then we got that quote while Juliet goes over the rail, right? Yeah, well timed. Nice nice little piece of media there for us in the recap. So we start with Juliet jumping onto a hallway a few stories down. That's reveal. Oh, (laughs) I was physically let down. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But come on. Of all, the, of all the ways I was hoping that was going to play out, that is the least exciting and most realistic. Let down? What, you wanted to die? What, did, what were you hoping for? I, I, don't, I didn't know what I was hoping for. I just written it out of my mind that those, those little crosswalks that go across the silo like a honeycomb. It's like, yes, that is the most obvious possible scenario for how they would play that out. And I just, you know, was inventing all these more elaborate ways where it could have gone that were... Ultimately, decidedly less realistic than she saw an opportunity to jump half a story down. Yeah, that's basically what well, she more did. than half a story. It looked like she fell like a couple stories down, and it more than bruised a couple ribs. It did, yeah, and she does seem to. It did seem to rattle her, but I don't think anything was broken because she was able to get up and, and keep moving. Uh, a bunch of people take after her. Uh, Simmons is walking around, or Sims is walking around. Some of the, the people have come out of their homes and are looking. Billings is also looking for Juliet with Sims and makes the point that she's still in her uniform and anyone would still let her inside one of the homes. It's a great point by my guy Billings. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're not going to necessarily, unless we search every single home, we're probably not going to find her because she can, she can pop in any of these homes and just be like, hey, I'm the sheriff and they'll let her in. Yeah, apparently in the silo, they don't follow the common sense logic we've recommended before of maybe don't invite cops into your home just willy nilly. No, yeah, we don't, we don't uh, recommend that here on the Mangan Talks Podcast Network. For a variety of reasons, mostly driven by the fact that, you know, whether there is illegal material or not, anything a cop observes once he's invited in can then become part of an investigation. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, but I think here, with judicial the way they are, 
in this show. I think that the, for a lot, but my my impression is that for a lot of the citizens, the sheriff is seen as sort of a weaker part of the government, but their champion almost. Even though they do the arrest, the, the sheriff the is their champion. representative. Yeah, the, the sheriff because the sheriff's appointed by the mayor, right? That's a that's an arm of an elected official, and they a lot of times, it's at least in recent history in the silo, the sheriff is bucking the judicial system. So it, it would seem like maybe the sheriff's a little bit more popular than maybe the law enforcement might be in our society. I think I think judicial in some ways has also set themselves up for failure there because it's also just the roles that they assume of where the sheriff is the one that is visibly seen as enforcing and protecting, whereas judicial is always the one that's seen as punishing. So even though they 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 work they do jobs that certainly overlap and directly feed into each other, people seem like they naturally put their hatred on judicial in a way they don't for the sheriff for starting the judicial process. Do you see what I did there? I compared the situation to our real world. And I did not use it as an opportunity to take a shot at the judicial system or particular judges or, I don't know, some sort of entity of the federal government. Did you see what I did there? I did. I did. It was I'm so good of credit. me, right? I'm going to give you credit if you can keep it going for a whole episode. I, I don't think you can. That was so good of me. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> Sims just listens and Billing turns away uh, and tells everyone to go back inside. It's all right. Things okay. We're all good. Sims asked Paul how she got away. Um, and, and Billy's like, he gets kind of puffed up here in the chest. He's like, wait, and you think I let her go? Cut to Bernard and Sims talking. Now, I had, I, we know that he didn't let her go. Like, I, it feels like the show is making a conscious effort to give you the man behind the mask with Sims. We see his mistakes too. We mm-hmm. see his struggles too. They could very easily make this guy just like, Wrapped in all leather, he just he's the enforcer. He comes in, he wrecks shop, and that's it. But instead, we're seeing him make little mistakes like this, like blaming Paul for her mistake when we know it wasn't. Paul didn't let her go. Like we know that. We see his mistakes. We see his emotions. We see his family. He is not a prop. He is not the dragon of the bad guys kind of thing. He's a character. He has a human rounding when it comes to him, and that's at play many times this episode. Where we get to see. Doubts and concerns and foibles and mistakes as he is clearly behind the eight ball at every stage of this. The show does a good job of making characters that are complete. I agree with you. You cannot start a sentence. He was not the dragon and not end it reborn around me for the next three months <laughs> as I read the Wheel of Time series. <laughs> you can't do it. My mistake. That's I'll, I'll my, work on it. That's where my mind goes. Cut to Bernard and Sims talking and Bernard asks Sims why he thinks Billing would let her go. Sims like, I don't – look, I don't know, but I, I listed him home anyway. Basically like the sort of <laughs> – it's the – and I am sympathetic. The boss is like, I have no idea what to do with this employee anymore. I just sent him the fuck out. I just – I don't want to think about it anymore, basically. But this not, is tomorrow Sims's problem. Yeah, that, there's that's that's in Spencer lexicon, right? Like it's it's tomorrow – it's it's Lee's, it's tomorrow Lee's problem. Uh, Bernard is upset, wants to know where Juliet is. And he – this is basically the drum he bangs all episode, right? Is that – and I really wish we could just kind of stop progress and get like a 20-minute primer on Bernard's real role. That would be fantastic for me. We're not getting all that information right now, but we do know that he is leading everything. He is the top of the food chain in the silo. And his is number he? one goal right – that's what I think he is. That's what I am interpreting the, the information we've gotten so far. Um, I have questions about a certain number 18 keychain. And his he is very, very upset about Juliet. No doubt. By the way, remember my remember my phrasing. I said he is the most powerful person in the silo. So I, I I I will I will endorse that. I do not necessarily know that he is the sole authority, 
I don't necessarily know if there's not still people or requirements that he reports to, uh, but I will say that he is at least the figurehead leader of the silo in a way that I don't mean just as a paper tiger. That's what I, I'm interpreting what they've given us so far is that, but we can talk a little bit more in spirit theory time speculation about that keychain. Um, Sim says his team searched every single apartment under every single bed. I gotta say, you know, like I, I don't, I do not work in politics anymore. Please don't, people mm-hmm. do not yell at mm-hmm. me about politics, but I did for a little while. And like, so I can't like that muscle hasn't completely atrophied. So like the first thing I thought here was, Boy, they, they really don't give a fuck about losing the populace. Because if you just go around yeah. multiple levels and just start tossing shit around. Look, he said he looked under every bed. That means they searched in people's homes for no reason other than they lost someone. They yeah, lost but- Juliet and now they're going to search every single person's home. Like the how they can – like I imagine the, the, the public opinion of judicial is just cranking negative hard. I mean, there's a hundred levels in the silo, in the silo, roughly, right? I think we got the number. It's like a hundred forty or something. I don't know. Something. Okay, so you've pissed off a couple hundred people in a way that aren't going to forget this shit. This is like you know, you wrecked their homes for the sake of being systematic. That's not going to be appreciated. Oh, it just seems to me like they're just they don't give a shit about like <laughs> not losing the general public. Um, so Bernard is frustrated. Ask if she has mastered the art of invisibility because I'd like to. I'd like to do it too. I'd like to be able to get invisible. Damn it. I'm so mad. So Bernard is just like kind of did, freaking out, right? Did you ever want to be invisible as your superpower? Because everybody's a kid, imagine what superpower they wanted to have. Was invisibility ever on your list? Spencer, you cannot ask a male who went through puberty if they ever daydreamed about being invisible. Like that, come on. I just wanted <laughs> you to on. say it out come loud. <laughs> <laughs> now, once I, once I like stopped being a, a complete well I mean, some people might argue i have it but like it's not being a complete moron when i was about 14 like yeah that i, that I kind of let that fantasy slip but there is there's a period of of male puberty there where you think all kinds of crazy shit yeah i uh i probably did want to be invisible then i i would say that the one superpower i never really fantasized about or cared about or prioritized is the flying one i know a lot of people want to fly I'm, i don't I'm give a right shit right there that. with you Bridget's huge on flying. Flying was always her one. It was never even in my like top ten of ones I like was pondering out or anything else. No, I mean mine right away was regeneration. Like, oh, that's an awesome one. That's my Stra- number one. Straight Wolverine. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's my primary concern is that like I just don't want to kick off. So like, Damn if it. I can just if I can just regenerate, I'll take it for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's his argument of visibility. Bernard says it's possible she slid to another level. Uh, and he's brought in. Oh no, that's not Bernard Sims. Says it's possible she slid to another level, like kind of slid. He's, he's talking about like sliding down the the actual um, the column there that, that's on the staircase. He was talking about her just sliding down the. They're really thinking outside the box about what she could have done. I, I, I viewed that as a. I viewed that. I think um, uh, Bernard interpreted it the same way. Of this guy has no fucking clue no. Where, where she is and how she got there. <laughs> he is just shoot, shooting a shot, trying to explain what happened. Yeah, and he has um, brought in all off-duty watchers. So every single watcher in the silo now is on until is working to try to find her. They're checking. They're trying to check all levels that are close by. And I would imagine Sims's definition of all levels that are close by is fairly wide. I bet they're checking fifteen, twenty levels. And I think we even see that in the janitorial's office later, of where uh, previously we've usually seen like two people there watching the cameras. When we see it later, it's a full room of people watching all the screens at all the times. So that'll tell us something. Sim says he 
thinks she got off that level, maybe made it to the stairs. He then says she's, he's going to have his team talk to anyone who might have given her shelter. Rob, I understand what you're facing here, this is Bernard. Go. Or no, he said, no, 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 sorry. He says, Rob, I hope you understand what you're facing here. Go. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to like set the tone for how important it is they find Juliet. He says this after picking up what looks like a small keychain with a small model lamp on it that has 18 on the lamp. Which he stopped like mid-conversation because that thing suddenly started glowing. And was it also like vibrating on the table too or something? Looked like maybe a beeper. Like it was like flashing like a beeper would beep. It has a very keychain look, and it has a decidedly big 18 on it, which has a point of comparison we're going to see later. So I feel like this little MacGuffin is relevant in some shape or form. He says this after picking up, yeah, that keychain, and it is flashing, and Sim takes off. Sim goes into the hallway, tells one of his guys to talk to his friends, family, anyone who might might be hiding or talk to every single person connected to Juliet. It's interesting, too, because we've previously seen Sims blowing up on his subordinates during a lot of different moments. We don't see any of that this episode. There is not a an angry or caustic word he's throwing at his subordinates here. It is cool, it is controlled, and it is a level of discipline he's been kind of lacking for the last three episodes. The things have been increasingly spiraling out of control. I wonder if there's almost like a certain fatalism of, yeah, we've already fucked up, now we've got to pick up the pieces going into... Him being a little bit more measured than we've than we've seen him getting uh, recently. To my Sims, yeah. Well, until the back half of the episode, but yeah, uh, we'll, right, we'll right get now, there. yeah, yeah, right R- now, right now he's controlled. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he then says he's going to need an escort. So cut to <laughs> there's a different reason in the back half that things get less controlled. <laughs> cut to Billy's who is looking at his hands. His wife is trying to help him. He seems pretty frustrated. He's talking about losing his grip and how he can't get his hands to cooperate. How they are shaking even now he says all the medicines and herbs haven't really helped who would have thunk that <laughs> medicines mm. and herbs haven't really helped um at this point i'd rather just know i have the syndrome uh, i'd rather just yeah i think what, he, what he's saying here is that he'd rather people just know he has a syndrome than think he's incompetent and she's like well a you're not incompetent so don't, don't say that um but she suggests he go back to judicial might be easier less requirements he's like i'm not going back in my career he's a career man he's not going back he by god he can do this job as sheriff he wants to do it he's next in line for sheriff perhaps if he looks back he will be lost it's the next in line next in line <laughs> he, he he is uh his number he is the number one boy he's the number one boy and she says well i mean you can't tell people you have the syndrome and he like kind of freaks out and he's like i it's just Saying how was this is like it's like the most married couple shit to say yeah. is I know well, that dear I'm I, just talking I I just said the thing but I didn't mean the thing and you were supposed to know I didn't mean the thing and not to take it but, seriously God, how God. long have we been together now I mean do I have to explain myself every conversation yeah that is exactly what this was like and she's just kind of like uh, okay all right cool and but then she jumps on him, right. She says, you lied, Paul. Yes, you are in the job you have, but by not telling people that you have the syndrome. And she says, moving back to judicial might just be what you got to do to not basically have this all blow up in your face. Billy yells that he's qualified to do the job. And she gets to the heart of the matter. She says that one sheriff was sent out to claim the other one's on the way. Oof, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. And another one of them, and neither of them had children. She says that. When he's digging his heels in with his pride, refusing to step down, picture your daughter growing up without you. Think about that. So really guilty him with the father, with the daughter thing. He's like, that's not fair. Uh, isn't it, though? Isn't it a consideration you kind of have to have? I mean, it's like, she's not hitting like a low blow here. She's just reminding you that, dude, you're kind of flirting with disaster. 
you do have a family. Keep track of that. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that's that unfair to point out. I think it's only unfair. Well, I mean, billion, billions by saying this is unfair could mean. Life I of course, unfair. of course, I'm already thinking about that. Like it's unfair for you to 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 suggest that I I haven't considered that as a variable. Like, you know, how dare like kind of how dare you bring that up as if I don't give a fuck? Like, and I could see that. Um, I could see I, that frustration. I, 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 I can see that. I could even see that he meant it that way. His wife doesn't perceive it that way with her response to that, where she just simply responds kind of coldly. It's the truth, as if he's not saying obviously. I know that's true, but more as if she's accusing him of denying reality. Right. He sighs and gets up, and then he tells a story. And in this story, we learn- Hell of a story. We learn that he's basically had the syndrome his whole life. And uh, apparently lots of kids do. Like, you know, you and- we, I, I know you know more than I do, obviously, on this topic, but we've been bantering back and forth as if the syndrome is something that you acquire over the course of a life, as if it is a stress condition, basically, yes. rather than an actual, like, form of disability that you are born with or develop at an early age. Apparently, if, if, if it even has like a later onset variant that we're now increasingly uncertain about, it certainly does have like a, you know, a type 1 diabetes scenario going on. And in the course of this conversation, we learn that what to do with people who have the syndrome is codified in the pack. There are rules about what people with the syndrome can or cannot do within the pack. Now, the pack had to be written at at minimum 140 years ago, but likely when the silo was formed. Which is real curious then about how, why there were rules on the syndrome written in that thing. Right. So that that's the thing is that like when I hear syndrome and I we, we're talking about people who are stuck in this like underground thing, they don't see real sunlight. I mean, there's all these like things. I had I'd always operated on the assumption that like this is in part due to their environment, their surroundings of being in the silo. But if it's codified in the pact of what to do with people who have this thing and the pact was written when they formed the silo, they could have brought this thing in. This could have been something that when they, when they went underground, people had. Right. This could have been for the original host population. This was a factor that they were thinking about, that they were working in. As we've heard about the breeding regimes they've been previously discussed, it may be something that they've intentionally been trying to slowly weed out, not too apparently successfully. Yeah, uh, he tells a story about basically like he had a friend uh, or a guy he knew in school who also had the the syndrome, and the guy came over and basically tried to play nice. Hey, like, hey, we both have it, you know. And as soon as the guy tried to make common ground with him, which in doing so, um, shines a light on the fact that Paul has it. Paul just socked him in the face, didn't want to talk about it. So Paul is not, he's not like very open about discussing this, and that's what he's trying to explain to her is like, I will protect this secret. And I kind of got the impression that he was, he was not threatening his wife, but he was saying, there's a, there's another side of me that you don't, you don't know and you don't see, but will come out if you push this too much uh, of me telling everybody about the syndrome. Right. Uh, uh, or it, not telling everybody about the syndrome, but at least um, guiding all of my actions based on the fact I have it. Yeah, it, it's also, I very much agree that's the main interpretation. I'd also throw a certain element there, too, of, honey, you basically just said that, you know, I'm going to be like a lamb to the slaughter. I'm going to fight to live. I've always fought to live. Don't forget that about me. 
Uh, it's also interesting, too, that apparently just people who have the syndrome can just recognize each other in a way the rest of the world cannot. But given that they live with the symptoms and are very much individually aware of them, I'm sure that seeing someone else out there that displays the same signs is an open book to them. Well, that's fairly realistic. Like anybody who has yes, a major med- anybody who has a major medical condition is much better at identifying people who have that same medical condition than other people. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's pretty common across pretty much all types of medical conditions that don't like severely impair cognition. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, cut to the sheriff Hank uh, from the down deep. I like I like Hank. He's the, he's my we dude. Haven't gotten enough Hank this season. I gotta say, we had him, had him a bit for the first few episodes, but it's been a long break now. We have not gotten enough Hank this episode, and I'll tell you this. It looks like Hank has been conscripted into the we have to look for Juliet thing, and he doesn't <laughs> seem to be putting his best foot forward. Uh, in, ter- in terms of a uh, one out of ten scale of sarcasm while doing your job, what ha- what is Hank at right now? Uh, Spencer levels on the podcast. Dear God, man, he's don't a, say a, things you don't mean. Spencer on the podcast is where I would say, because he's knocking on Walk's door. Walk immediately knows it's about Jules, and Hank is like, Walk. I tried to tell a mechanical runs like a fine oiled machine because of the hardworking citizens who put the safety of the silo above all else. So he's basically like, fuck all of this. Mm-hmm. And Walt goes, yeah, yet they are, yet they're here. And he goes, yeah. And she goes, well, come on in. I ain't got no shit. To, I ain't got shit to hide. So like, she's, you know, like pretty much everybody who's talked to Juliet in the past 10 years is having her house searched. And, you know, I guess what we learn here is that a, um, well, Hank has been conscripted in this, even though he has a personal relationship with Juliet and likes her, supports her. Uh, they are searching Walk's apartment, and Juliet is not with Walk. That is another thing that we learned here, because she certainly wouldn't have invited him in if Juliet was behind like a closet door or something. Do you think it's probably fair to say that the Sheriff's Department is not at present an independent division of this government? They've basically been deputized or kind of subsumed by judicial for the time being? It doesn't the- seem like there's, well, there's not a sheriff. And Paul Billings isn't like, you know, directly butting heads with judicial on almost anything right now. You know what this reminds me of? And I, I'm not getting political. Just want, I just <laughs> yeah, want everyone sure, to on. know that. Okay? Right away. Because so, if I say that at the beginning, no matter what I say, it's not political. Because right? oh, I said it wasn't political. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, no offense. Like, no offense. But uh, so this would be like if the if we had, let's say we had an invasion of the United States of like aliens, say. Okay. Um, Reagan's happy. Go on. The 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 military, of course, would be the primary force, I would think, that would be fighting this. I think that the police, though, and the local law enforcement would be out doing what they could. But I think the dynamic between the military and the local police is probably similar to what it, you're seeing here. where you Martial like, law would be in effect. Yeah, you've got like you've got the big boy apparatus that comes in and is just kind of, you know, telling the folks who are powerful in peacetime what to do. But like this isn't peacetime. Like, mm-hmm. we, got, we got we got shit to do now. Um, Good read. I think you're accurate. So, in comes uh, cut to Pete Nichols. That's what that's. I kept calling him Juliet's father. Man's name is Pete. I looked it up. Podcast professional. I I keep calling him Jorah Mormont. I'm not going to stop Jorah Mormont or Ian Glenn. I'm not going to stop either. Sir Jorah Mormont, and yet here I stand. Uh, Who is Pete Nichols? Who's with the child and the mother? Who's you know, like it's just a wonderful little snapshot into what um, these type of physicians have to learn to do which is like calm de- people deal, the fuck down well deal with people who are really really fucking stressed out about having a young kid because it's yeah. you know, by all accounts really hard i don't have one but i've heard it's really hard so the mother's like you know i, I messed something up I'm, I'm a terrible mom etc he's like <laughs> just whoop let's ratchet it down a little bit you're not a bad mom you just are tired 
you're just tired because you're a human fucking being. And the subject of the conversation is, I think, was that she was late with a feeding, right? Or something like that? It was something small, yeah, for sure. It's like, Um, but I get it. I'm here for you. Let me reassure you that this on the category of mistakes you're going to make going forward barely merits even note. Well, I think doing great. I think Mr. Feeding with the Kid was also like crying and really upset. Yeah, no, 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 clearly. She she was linking the two things. Yes. But. Maybe I think I speak. Can, can I speak for the podcast? Will you give me authority in this one matter to speak for the podcast? Let's find out. I'm going to and regret it later. Go on. We don't think she's a bad mother. We don't. No, think, no. no. I don't think that. Neither, neither does Sergio. The, the fact mom. she cares so much is a sign that she's not a bad mom. Yeah, exactly. She's there. She's she's having the conversation. So shout out to her. Yeah. So, the, but this is. I thought it was a wonderful little snapshot of his job. But in comes judicial. And a man we haven't seen before is really fussing at Pete. Like, giving him the fucking business. Like, where's your daughter? You need to tell me where your daughter And Pete's like, homie, I got like 12 babies sleeping in here. Could you chill the fuck out? And in comes good cop to the bad cop, Sims, who's like, well, we probably should take his recommendation. Why don't you, oh, why don't you bad guys that I totally didn't plan? You know, to no, come in here and do this. this. I had no idea this, you were going to do this. Why don't you? This is in no way coordinated. No, obviously not. Yeah, and they, so they leave, and um, it seems like Sims is trying to like joke or lean on a personal relationship with Pete here, and you know, you just, and I do think that Pete Nichols does have a personal relationship with Sims somewhat. Mm-hmm. But I also think, like any time you have a personal relationship with somebody, you got to remember where you are in the hierarchy. Like <laughs> Sims is Sims is lo- Sims much lower than daughter. You. <laughs> so, and this is what I think Sims learns in this conversation is that he's trying to lean on this relationship with Pete, trying to say, "Hey, we're both reasonable guys here. You know, why don't you help me?" And he hits a fucking brick wall. So it starts with them walking around, and Sims is reminiscing about how difficult it was to put his child to sleep when he was younger. He says that. Dr. Nichols, I imagine Julia's the most important person in the world to you, but for the sake of everyone in the silo, I need, but I'm not going to tell you why, but for the sake of everyone in the silo, I need you to tell me where she might be. Pete says, yeah, she is the most important person in the world to me, but how about this for a line? I have no idea how she thinks, true, mm-hmm. or where she might be, also true. He, he is telling, <laughs> that's true. He does not know how she thinks. <laughs> not a bit. Not a bit. Never going to find out either. What are the two hosts of this podcast, Billy? Yeah, we're all playing catch up here. He says until this week he hadn't seen her in twenty years. So there you go. That's a nice little nugget of background confirmation. We, we we suspected, but we didn't know for sure. He had not seen her since she had gone to judicial. So it was twenty years ago. So she, what did we got her at about thirty in the in the uh, show? I mean, she went down there at thirteen or around there, right? Thirty three. Like okay. So or, she's early thirty. I don't know if she was literally thirteen. I think they may have said that at some point, but we'll say probably about thirty three seems reasonable. Rebecca Ferguson clearly in her forties, right? I'm going to double check that while I'm talking to you. Clearly in her 40s. But we had Allison Becker, who was supposed to be like 38, and, and <laughs> Rashida yeah, Jones yeah. is in her 50s. So. Rashida Jones still looks great, but, you know, there are limits. Uh, Rashida, uh, yeah, uh, Becca Ferguson is 40 on the nose. Yeah, there you go. Uh, just, so turn, was she, just turned it last month. Happy well, there you go. So she wasn't, she was like 38 or something when she filmed this. So that was, it's not too far. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. For, for, for Dawson casting that Hollywood loves, this is fine. This is pretty good. Yeah. And so. He, she says, you know, Pete's like, what happened? And Sim says, well, she wanted to go out. Now the whole silo is looking for her. And when he said she wanted to go out, you know, of course, Pete's whole demeanor drops because he knows what that means. He implores Pete to help her find her. And he says, if that was meant to be a warning, I don't need it. I know all about your raiders. Sims goes, well, I just guess you do. 
he says there's a halfway spot around the level. This is heartbreaking, right? Yeah. A spot halfway around the, the level one balcony. Level one's at the very top. Where the railing is worn smooth by all the people who have gripped it tight before going over. That's how many people have killed themselves by jumping over the rail. I mean, we already know there's a there's a, a conscripted phrase for this, right? There's a, there's a common social phrase of what going over the rails. And now we're getting evidence. It's an awful lot of number, an awful lot of people have done that. And I posit, I know it's going to blow you away, that they're not jumping just because they have to live underground. They're jumping because of how this fucking operation is run. That are is my su- prediction. Are you suggesting that the way the society is structured, the way the government operates, the constant state of being under siege that the people are subjected to may have psychological implications? Well, let's go to my English. Let's go to the English 101 segment of the podcast. Oh, yes. Um, it's all about, like, the, the show does a great job of exploring what does it mean to be human. They, the, Bernard, the apparatus that runs the silo is hyper focused on making sure they have 10,000 heartbeats. And they do a fairly good job of having 10,000 heartbeats. But that is not, simply staying alive and breathing is not the human experience. They don't have things like art or the ability to travel or socialize or f- basic freedoms or the ability to research or discover or learn new things. They don't have a real concept of their own history. Like, that's not the human experience. I'm not surprised a bunch of people jumping over this. Uh, Not only do they not have those things, they actively suppress them. They've deemed them not only non-essential, they've deemed them an outright negative to the human experience they want to paint in the silo. Yeah, so it's like, I think that's that's why a lot of this is going on. But he he says that, and he says, I can never imagine my wife would be one of the people to do that. Now we learn how his wife died. Um, we knew she jump. knew she killed herself, but now we know she was jumping right. But he says, "Thanks to your raiders, Jules is all I have left." So he he puts it right on Sims. He says, "Your raiders did that," which in retrospect makes explains some of the trauma that we saw Jules going through uh, beyond just simply that you know she cared about George and how he died. But when she was going around that busted uh, uh, air conditioning uh, like grate down there at the bottom level, the impact of the jump. Now I'm left to ponder to what degree that she walked through that before when her mom died back in the day. Ooh, that's a good callback. Oh, that's tragic. I didn't, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't connected that. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, yeah, so he then says. It, it, it may also add to her reasons for being so stubborn denying that George jumped just because of how her mom went, went to. There's a lot that this actually could connect into in terms of um, Juliet's past ways of responding to things. Yeah, it could be why she had that initial reaction that George didn't didn't do that. I do think that also uh, the reveal we get at the end of the episode, which is that whoop, let's let's swerve yet one more time on this road. We're going to go back and forth and snake him. <laughs> George actually did love her, really did. He wasn't he he really did. Yes, he started he started the relationship by using her like in good all all good rom coms. The relationship started, started on a falsehood manipulation. Yes. and then went to a place of being real. The person being manipulated found it out. And right before the movie has to end, everybody realizes that they loved each other to begin with. What percentage of rom-coms just straight with straight up deception and manipulation is the basis by which their relationship starts? It's, it's high. 80%, I always say. I start with, uh, there's this. There's these two people. Or abusive one, in some one, shape or form, too. One has to pretend to like the other one for some manipulative, re- manipulative reason. And as ends up falling in love with, let's say, a woman, right? A guy, a guy, let's say it's a guy doing it. Falls in love with a woman. Woman then figures it out. And then 
big breakup scene. I can't, I can't believe it. I thought I knew you. I thought you mm-hmm. loved me. I sacrificed so much for you. You know, I don't do this with people. I never let somebody in my heart. Boom, she runs away. Now you got about 15 minutes left of the movie. The guy then has to go to the mom, the dad, the everybody else. Hey, it was really real. How do I get her back? And then show up someplace where he's really needed and boom, five minutes to go before the thing ends. They love each other. I call that I call that last 15 minutes the airport chase because so many of them end up with like running them down in an airport or boarding a plane or riding a horse or something else to, you know, physically go out and express love by means of putting yourself out there. The airplane chase has to be part of it. Yeah, the most basic, right, is that the woman, like, so let's say in this case I'm doing the guy was the manipulator. Uh, the woman is the one being manipulated. The woman then moves, let's say, to fucking Alaska, right? And then, you know, she's she's going out one morning with her coffee and then she sees the guy, you know, th- there with the truck, you know, in the driveway waiting yes. for her. He's come across country to he, get her. He did that's, the chase. That's the most basic one. But then you have, you have the like the airport types of scenes. And then you have the ones where they get super complicated where it's like, um, you know, the woman is in some sort of like trouble or needs needs something like maybe she's working for the government or something. And then he swoops in white knights, helps her, proves his love. This is the this is the rom-com formula. We've got a little nugget of it here with our girl, Juliet and George. We've got a little nugget. And I, I, I will reveal you asked me to reveal something personal on the podcast. I'll reveal something personal Whoa. on the podcast. Whoa. I actually kind of like rom-coms. Gonna throw that out there. I the, 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 they are formulaic as shit, but I kind of enjoy the formula. I like ones that mixed up a little bit, like you know, Mister and Mrs. Smith, where they're both manipulating and betraying each other and don't realize fully that they're doing it. That's a fun little shift of things, but it's still very much in the formula. I like rom coms so much that my I think like maybe my second year at the company I worked for, I was given a big presentation in front of like a lot of people who made a lot more money than me and been at the company a lot longer than I had. And sure. I was trying to sell them on a, a piece of software that they I wanted them to use that I thought it would help them to use. So mm-hmm. I threw up a picture of Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. And I said When Harry met Sally. And I said, X Software is your friend, like like Harry and Sally are friends. <laughs> I, I've known did, among my did friends. Did the group. room get it? Uh I think people were more uncomfortable than anything. Oh, <laughs> everyone, went, everyone went emotionally to the diner scene of that. I didn't get cheers. No, I didn't get cheers. But I, I say, like, I have, I am known among our friend group as like being the person who likes uh, rom coms. I will watch if I, as long as I have a heartbeat. As long as as long as Bernard is keeping a heartbeat going for me, as long as I have mm-hmm. a baseline of humanity, I will watch Love Actually every Christmas, every fucking one, all time movie, Damn. enjoyable movie. So that's what we got going on here, is that basically Jules is saying, or he is saying, uh, Pete is saying, like, look, I got Jules and that's all I've got left because of your raiders. Let me ask you, Mr. Sims, if you were in my position, would you help the people hunting your child? And oh my gosh, Ian Ian Glenn delivers that line in like a bone-rattling way. He sells it. And Sims just goes, yeah, I would, because no one person is more important than the 10,000 or the thousands to come. I'd like to pause there and call a massive allowed of bullshit. A, just a huge amount. Pi- big pile. Steaming pile. As much Sim- bullshit is on, is on the, the fucking floors where they're growing the soybeans and the corn and the whatever. Oh, There's a lot of bullshit all, here. From all the cows. The, all yes. the, it's literal bullshit from all <laughs> of the cows that are just pooping nonstop for the sake of fertilizer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the episode itself demonstrates it's bullshit, because it's 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 well done. Boy, the episode is having Sims confront him on, what, what is your loyalty to your family or to the silo? 
But then quietly, the episode goes to the same question with both Sims and his wife. Yep. In, ter- in terms of breaking that down later. And I, that is well played, particularly since they didn't make it too on the nose when uh, they didn't have someone else highlight it too much with what they go through later. Really is good. Really is good writing, though, the back half of the season, I feel like. I, feel, I think they've done, yeah. a, done a really good job. It, I will bestow on this show so far one of my highest compliments. It is competent. It is what it is competently structured. There is a plot. You know how much of a compliment that is. You've never even called me competent. <laughs> well, you haven't earned it yet. I know. I'm working, you, striving sure. toward it and working toward it. I, and this is why I'm still nourishing you. I'm still hoping we can get it out of you at some point. <laughs> but the, the show is just competently structured. There is a plan at play um, going through this. I agree. I think it's really well done. And like, I, you know, I was not as big a fan of this show, episode one, two, three, as I was episode eight, nine, ten. Uh, they. Big. They got me rolling. Decidedly getting one. better. There were, the, the show has flaws. It has just, you know, little annoyances going through it. They were more apparent because it was early and you didn't get to see the well-structured, like, garden build that they were eventually going to grow out of this. Sims is left there thinking. Um, after Basically after Pete's like, look, I'm not going to help you. I have no idea where she is. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> it goes without saying, but he's, he's saying, uh, I don't know where she is. Wouldn't tell you if I did. Uh, yeah. you're, you're not going to get help from me. Here I stand. The Sims is left there thinking he looks over at the mother with her baby cut to a mother with a child. And they are talking about the school's closing, about people not going to work that day. So that tells me that this whole thing with Juliet has put the whole thing on lockdown. They, they, they're not going to. Everybody's staying at home. Um, it doesn't seem to be a holiday because uh, they're talking about this as if it was a surprise. The, this, the kid didn't know that the yeah. mom was off work. Everybody's surprised, and the the schools seem to be closing early, and so the mom is walking the kid home, and then we learn, because some raiders come up, we learn that this is Sim's wife and child, and that he sent people to escort them home. He sent resources just to take care of just them, so right away, right away, we're, we're three minutes removed from the conversation, he is prioritizing his wife and son over other people in the silo in the same way he just told Sergio or Mormont here I stand that he was not allowed to do. If in he a was a person. In a way that Bernard will call him out for later. Oh, but, fuck yeah. On uh, terms of the immediate purchase for the kid, his mom is making him grilled cheese when they get home. That is a good day. What's your, what's the best cheese for a grilled cheese? A mild cheddar. Like a well done quality mild cheddar for me. Sprinkled out whatever else. It's quality solid. Otherwise, I gotta give credit. I don't normally sell American cheese as being, you know, something yeah. that's adding to the culinary world. That's what I'm talking but about. Just straight up American cheese is really damn good on the grilled cheese sandwich in a way that most of the cheeses don't compare. I can't tell if I'm just a, I'm just a country bumpkin at heart. I'm just Eastern North they, Carolina at heart. You just can't, things- you can't get it out of me. I just like, I think American cheese is the the best grilled cheese. And I, have, by the way, I have been to restaurants where they're like, here's a. Tw- 15 18 20 grilled cheese with seven different kinds of fucking cheese i've never liked it as much as just a slice of american i think grilled cheese is american cheese is overused but for the things it's good at it's better than the alternatives like you know a grilled cheese sandwich with american cheese top three in terms of options in terms of how to do that in my view grill american cheese on a burger one, there's a lot of great cheese you can do in a burger, but I have, I have a special place in my heart for properly done American cheese just soaking into the burger. You gotta, you got on a grilled cheese, you gotta do the mayonnaise instead of the butter on the top. That is just a, that is just a number one. I haven't done that. Yeah, because it will crisp better. 
the butter is for whatever reason will soak into the bun the the bread more and you get a much soggy. you get a much more soggy sandwich and we, I think we can all agree that a crispy grilled cheese is bang in it is like 100%. next level yeah do a little mayonnaise on the outside instead of butter next time that's I'm my gonna have to try that that's the one but, thing I offer this podcast. I, now, you offer mayonnaise in, in many different varieties for many different dishes. This has come up before, but I'm going to try that and see how it goes. <laughs> I am a mayonnaise fan. You know, when I was a kid, I used to uh, I used to eat mayonnaise on every single thing they would serve at the cafeteria, including I would put it in soup. I'm starting to realize why you don't like soup. This is the, this is the catalyst point. You I put dip too much pizza mayonnaise in, in soup. I dip pizza in it. I dip Do you need anything they were serving us. I dip into mayonnaise. Yeah. It's a wonder I haven't that- killed over yet. <laughs> I have received further evidence that you grew up in North Carolina. Mayonnaise was the condiment in all in all ways. Absolutely, yeah. So this is what. So he sends these reinforcements to his wife and kid. And what's interesting though is that we get right away the implication that him and his wife are not necessarily always on the same page because she didn't want this at all. She nope. wouldn't even let him She's in the offended. house. Wouldn't let him in the house. Mm-hmm. And you know pushes back on them really hard. So she comes inside. And it's interesting too how she sells them off. It's basically the, you know, my husband's going to be pissed at you if I, you know, send a negative word your way. If I was those guys, I would respond with, "Your husband's going to be pissed if I don't do the mission he specifically asked me to do." I'm going in, ma'am. Now I'm not a big Sims fan, but like I think that the the rebuttal here would be, well, if she allowed them to search the house or at least go in with her, like because when she walks in, she immediately notices something is wrong. If yeah, she walked yeah. in with the Raiders and she noticed something was wrong, she could have had them search the house. They'd have had Juliet. The episode would be over. Like, yes. But she didn't do that. And as soon as she walks in, she does see something is off. She gets the kid to the bedroom and puts him in there. And she comes out. She grabs a gun by her, from a person. My question to you, in all caps, underlined in my notes, is she's got a gun? What the fuck? How does she have a gun? What is this? But- I mean, this is really interesting because we haven't even seen that, like, judicial operatives carry guns. They have, like, batons and hockey pads. Like, the fact that she has a gun, even with just one bullet, the only guns we've seen previously are in a locked safe up in the sheriff's office. Like, for the emergency, the friggin', you know, mole people have come out of the ground kind of scenario. I don't know what world that she would be allowed to have a gun other than sims personally intervened to let her keep one i think that's probably what it was so we she looks around she sees the hard drive on the bed and then juliet comes up comes up behind her puts a knife to her throat saying she doesn't want to hurt her but she will she has to and then we get the cold opening spencer i say it every week they are really playing fast and loose with what the idea of an opening is this was at 1345 in an episode that did not get to 50 minutes we were talking when we were like reaching the eighth minute. Like, man, they're really pushing that long. By season this is the fifth of the episode, by season three of the show, are the outros just going to be the opening? It was, yeah, it was really long, and I, I, there was multiple moments in here where they could have done the opening. I guess they were just trying to get to that, like Juliet with a knife to Sims's they, wife throat moment. They're treating the openings like the first commercial break. It's, it's, it's how they're treating the openings in terms of the timing. It's like, oh, dramatic moment. Now everyone can go pee. That's what they're using the openings for. That's fair. And then like, but the thing is, is that like, I wasn't, that that wasn't that much of a high stress moment for me as a viewer. Cause I know Juliet, really? I know Juliet's not going to hurt her. So I don't have any, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's yeah. not really that much of a, um, 
of an exciting or exhilarating moment because I don't think there's any consequence to it. I don't think there's anything that can happen on the other side. Juliet's not going to hurt that woman. What are they going to do in terms of shocking moments otherwise? Wait until George shows up on the video camera screen? At that point, we're hitting like the 35th moment of the episode. They, they, had, they had to pick something. We'll do that in season two. Uh, we then go back to Sims's wife, who is telling her kid she's going to close the door and she has to talk to someone from work. She goes in. Juliet now has a gun pointed at her. Sims's wife is like, you know how to use that? Juliet's like, nope, sure don't. She's like... Point and click. But I'm close enough, I don't think it will matter. She goes, well, it only has one bullet. Juliet says, how many will I need? That, that was a delightfully <laughs> cold line. <laughs> Spencer, what do we think of this move? Juliet going to Sims's family. What do we think of that move? Uh, I, mean, I guess... I think it is based on two assumptions that prove accurate. One, and this one was only half accurate, but that Sims wouldn't call for the searching of his own apartment. Sims did, but his wife intervened, so I'm going to give her half credit for that one. Two, that Sims' computer would have special authorization. That one seems to prove 100% true in terms of accessing the hard drive. So, Juliet, always making logical deductions, makes a call here, and it works out well in her favor. I have a hard time believing it's not a little personal, too. To, to fuck with Sims a little bit? Given the yeah. comments she offers the wife later, I think that's accurate. Because there's a lot of different places she could have gone where she could have assumed that a computer would have special access. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, any one of the governmental offices she probably could have gone to. She could have, for God forbid, waited a few hours somewhere. You don't have to do all this right this second. And she could have done it at night in the sheriff's office. There's any number of things she could have done. She goes right to Sims's wife and puts a knife to her throat. It seems to me that it's a fuck you to Sims as much as anything. I think it's interesting. It also raises a fun point. Juliet never bothered to learn the pact, but apparently she memorized what Sims' apartment was. Yeah. That, should, that, that is some targeted focus of, okay, what, do I, what knowledge do I actually be going to need in the future? She's had a real personal problem with Sims the whole time. And I think this it's finally she's finally able to um, put a little bit of butter on that bread. As mm, they or mayonnaise. Or mayonnaise. Juliet says she's not there to hurt her. You said that. I'm saying it again. She hands her something, handcuffs to put on, tells uh, Sims' wife to, to handcuff herself in the bathroom. The wife says no, and, and Juliet's like, well, here's the thing. If I shoot you with this gun, might not kill you, but your son will have nightmares for the rest of his life. You want that? So they work out a compromise where the wife will be handcuffed in the kitchen so that she can still see the bedroom of the child, right? Makes perfect I, sense. So Juliet allows it. I liked the wife's terms there. There was She was basically just drawing an, a firm line in the sand of where, okay, we can talk, but I'm having ground rules of where I'm not letting you get anywhere, anywhere in between me and my kid in any given moment. So Juliet takes all the dangerous things that are in reach away from her in the kitchen and uh, Sims' wife's like, really? So, hey, I've done more with less. By the sound of it, you have too. She then checks the computer, and the wife starts to get nervous. Do we know that Sims' wife name? So I'm not just saying Sims' wife the whole time. I don't. Does Sims say it when he sees her? I don't, I don't, I don't remember him doing that either. I'm not sure that he does. Um, so cut to Sims' folks checking everything in Julia's Camille. apartment. Camille. Appar okay. Apparently it's Camille. Camille. I remember that. You know how come I remember that? Because um, I'm not saying it ages well. Cosby Show. Uh, come on, come on. Oh man, that doesn't age well. Yeah. No, yeah, no, but it's nonetheless. I, it, uh, it was a funny show. It was a funny show. I watched it for years and years. So, um, 
Cut to Sims's folks checking everything in her apartment. Billings comes in and explains that as acting sheriff, he has a responsibility to investigate anyone who says they want to go outside. But they push that he cannot go in. And he says, I have orders. And the person who is dealing with Sims, who's clearly from judicial, says, I have orders to arrest anyone who tries to get past me. Fucking pandemonium right now. They pull Billings out. She pulls him aside. And you and I had a back and forth about when Billings joined the sheriff's department. Mm -hmm. And you seem to think it was a while back. um, But he did work at judicial at some point. I thought he just joined. Like, just now. Um, or were you were you saying something different? No, I was saying that he used to work for the sheriffs. He got he, he then moved over from working from the sheriff's department to then working for judicial, and now he's back at the sheriff's. That okay, so well, then proved, this proves nothing in that argument that because all this all this really proves is that he was working for judicial last year because the previous year he was teaching a course about the pact that this person took. Um, so yeah. that's how they have that conversation. Yeah. I don't know how long he was with Judicial, but based on the descriptions we're getting, I'm thinking three years, maybe, something along those wise. That, that's the kind of picture I picture in terms of the break in his uh, sheriff aspects of his career. See, I think he was always with Judicial and he just came over, but I don't know. I, we, I, I still don't have any firm evidence here that I have not my fingertips on this one. But uh, in, in any case, he was with the Judicial Department the year before, and he mm-hmm. had taught this person, and they have, like, he knows her. and. She kind of gets serious with him. And she's like, look, I, I don't have a choice here. You know that. I don't have a choice. And Billing says, um, well, she left a note. And the person goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I was just thinking if I found out why she had to go out, I could figure out where she is. And the person's like, I had no fucking idea, but you should get out of here. And so he does. So he's not really allowed to go in Juliet's apartment. Cut, to, cut to Juliet and Camille. Uh, ask her what gave her nightmares. Says the thing Juliet says about nightmares isn't something you say unless you had them yourself. Start to psychoanalyze Juliet a little bit. Accurate deduction. Uh, yeah, but Juliet just is over that right away, and just <laughs> you're not going to get her with something like that. And you know, it's a, it's a good first punch, but you just started the boxing match. Well, it's also in a category of where Juliet does not have many fucks to give right now. It's like, I'm focused on the computer right now. You are barely even meriting the third level of my attention. Which is a problem later. <laughs> yes. But mentions, uh, she, they say you were a raider. She then tells the, the story about how when she was a kid, raiders broke into her house and destroyed shit. That's judicial. That's who you used to work for. That's who your husband works for. She parrots the line, you know, my husband works for the good of the silo. Oh, you believe in the good of the silo, do you? But not enough to let two raiders into your apartment where your son sleeps. Ah. Did you did you make a note of where she works now, by the way? No, where she works now? IT. And that was interesting. They're coming at Bernard from all angles. They're, they're, yeah, you, they're lobbying for the job. You you and I had, had argued from earlier on about what degree like IT was separate from the other aspects of the government. Seems like as we see several times this episode that IT and judicial have been hand in hand from the word go. Probably, yeah. And it seems I I think that Bernard's over all of it. Yeah, I think Bernard's yeah, yeah. over judicial as well. Hundred uh, percent. My husband is not in control of everything that happens in the silo, and he certainly isn't responsible if something happened to you when you were a child. Camille dropping bombs on Juliet. Juliet's like, you don't know shit. Wife goes on to say, what do you think is going to happen when he finds out where you are? Juliet's like, don't give a fuck. Anyway. Uh, waiting for something to copy over from the computer. Which is loading at, like, you know, dial-up internet speeds from the early 90s. Yeah, trying to get access to this hard drive, right? Mm -hmm. And then we see that Sims' child is watching, and he sees his mother is cuffed. So Sims' child knows this is not 
not all go in according to plan. This isn't just some casual conversation with a work, mm-hmm. uh, a work friend. So cut to Bernard, who is seemingly stressed. He pours a drink and takes it, still working on Mayor John's alcohol stash, still going through that. He looks at the 18 keychain. Someone knocks and Bernard lets them in. It's Sims. He comes in with an update, says they've checked mechanical. Check with Juliet's father. None of them have her. Did you send teams anywhere else? Sims just says that those are the places for now. He says that the watchers tracked her yesterday. Everything was normal until she went on the dispatch on 10. Sims has got some useful information here. Explains. Hired a porter to deliver a message. This confuses Bernard because Sheriff Department has their own porters. Sims says the message was delivered to someone in the cafeteria. No. Somebody was just sitting there. Not, not somebody works there. Just somebody sitting there. Lucas Kyle works in IT. We don't know the message, but we do know what Mr. Kyle did after he got it. Bernard is starting to freak out here. Did you see the kind of panic on his face? Yeah. Moment, moment they said IT, he started freaking out. And it only gets getting worse. Yeah, he does not like the idea of a mole in his operations. So that's why he has to talk to Lucas immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And then we Bernard hears he went to Nichols' apartment. So... That's Bernard getting that information. Uh, they're all already paranoid that Juliet just has a corrupting influence on everyone around her. The idea that she could be corrupting somebody in IT. They've murdered people with IT knowledge already when it comes to any access to this hard drive. This is unacceptable even as a possibility. Cut to some of the watchers putting up a crime scene sign in front of Juliet's apartment. Well, Sheriff's apartment. I guess it's not Juliet's anymore. They walk out of the the sheriff's apartment. Billing follows. He follows to the door. Like he doesn't follow yes. them. He's following. He's, he's going in after. Crossing G- yeah. Going in after they've left. He breaks into the apartment. He closes the door and jams it so no one can follow him in. Then he starts to look around. And he sees the hole in the wall where the camera was. He doesn't know what that is, right? Because Billings isn't caught in on the cameras yet. And has no reason to even assume that they're there. He's just looking around. There's a broken piece of glass that he's looking through. He goes up to the vent. He starts rooting around in there. So, you know, you kind of got a few things going on in this episode. You got Juliet, who's, you know, holed up with Sims' wife right now. She's really just trying to break into the hard drive, see what's on the hard drive. You've got Bernard and Sims working together, trying to find her. And then you've got Billing sort of off on his own quest, trying to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on, find her, whatever. He gets an almighty clue right here. <laughs> yeah. Cut to Juliet, who is now done with whatever transfer she was trying to do or the process for opening or whatever the thing was. Mm-hmm. But she seems frustrated because there's a million fucking files and she doesn't know which one to look at. Uh, then we see Sims' wife who has some piece of metal and she starts working out how to uncover herself. Uh-oh, trouble, trouble. Juliet, behind did, you, behind you. Did you ever prepare a pair of handcuffs as a kid? Have a pair of handcuffs? Well, your dad was a fucking cop. Did he let you play around with handcuffs to a no, certain degree? No, <laughs> Most <laughs> Most kids whose dads are cops don't let them play around with the handcuffs. No, they were very serious for him. Just checking. I, I was one of those kids that tried to practice lock picking after I saw a video about it when I was when I was when I was way too young. Did you ever learn how to do it? Not successfully, but I had a lot of fun just fiddling. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, seems like she's getting. Seems like she knows what she's doing though. Seems like Camille knows what she's doing. Juliet's continuing to work, getting a lot of hits, and you know keeps looking around. Back to Billings, who's continuing to look around Juliet's apartment. He goes into the bathroom and he opens the medicine cabinet. He notices there's some tape all the way around it. He takes the tape off. Pulls the insert for the medicine cabinet out of the wall. Behind it, a package. Did you know what this was immediately? Yes. Figured it was the Georgia pamphlet. <laughs> Pulls it out and that's exactly what it is. Amazing Adventures in Georgia. And this is an interesting person to find this. This? Is it fair to say Billings is a true believer? Or at least was before he met Juliet? <laughs> yes, for sure. 
This is a hell of a shock to a true believer of where he knows on sight that this is the, one of the, among the most restricted items that could exist in the silo. And yet still he is compelled to browse. Yeah, did you expect anything different? No, it just seems like these things have that effect on people. As we see with the videos, as we see with um, this particular pamphlet, the concept of an outside world is immediately seductive. I sort of believe that anybody that we know in the show would have looked at it except for Bernard. Because Bernard's probably already seen it, or, or has similar has knowledge of what the outside world was. or He has, he has historical knowledge everybody else doesn't have, but I think even Sims would have looked at it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think there is a natural human curiosity to something like that, to this strange outside world that immediately draws the gaze in a way you just can't resist. Well, again, you know, that's the thing. They're, they're trying to limit what it is to be human. They want to limit your curiosity. Why? Because we're just trying to keep your heart beating. We're just trying to keep you alive. That's all. But you kind of can't beat that out. You cannot beat curiosity out of a fucking human. Like, I mean, humans are innately curious beings. That's why we have all this shit. That's why I'm talking to you over the internet right now is because humans are innately curious beings. You're not going to be able to knock that out of them. And I think that's like one of the fatal flaws in the – I mean, there's probably many. But one of the fatal flaws in the silo design is this concept that you're going to get 10,000 people – to not ask questions for generations. And, and we, we heard from Gloria that they've literally been trying to breed curiosity out of the human population. 140 years running, they have not gotten had any success in that regard. That's because every human, that, you can't do it. You, 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 know how you, you know how you breed curiosity out of humans? By lobotomizing the entire you, population? Uh, you just kill them all. Yeah, you, you yeah. kill them all or you like, I don't know, like introduce like mating with aliens or something. Because like <laughs> every single human is curious. They, can, they yes. may pretend like they're not, but they all are. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Bernard, who is with our guy, Kyle, Lucas Kyle, Stargazer. He's going to answer whether he's curious here in a second. Bernard asks him, you're a curious person. Dangerous question in the show. Super dangerous. He says, no, not any more than anyone else, sir. Just called him sir. It's funny. Bernard hands mm-hmm. him a drink. But I understand that you like to go to the cafeteria and I chart the lights in the sky. Is that true? Boy, our guy is quite scared here. He says, just a hobby to pass the time. I feel like people workshop certain conversations in their minds so they can prepare for those moments. Kyle did not have this one prepared. Kyle no. is not, not even playing catch-up. Kyle was actively doing the Indiana Jones run from the ball, chasing him down the hallway. He probably has daydreamed about what he would what he would say to Bernard if he was able to sit down and like talk about his career and advance his interest or whatever, but this is not the conversation not he that. planned for. Uh, you know, and he finally has an answer to the initial question where he goes, well, oh, well, I'm actually more analytical and curious. That is, <laughs> that is a really great part about the writing of the scene is that like people who are really stressed will do that. You'll ask them a question and they'll answer. And Ten months you, later. You go on, go on, go on. And they go, hold on. I got an answer to that first one because their brain is just finally catching up. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's more analytical and curious. Bernard just listens to that. He says, that's why I like working in IT here. I get to use. So he goes, he's going to do his job pitch now. Mm-hmm. Bernard cuts him right off. He says, do you have any idea what they are? The lights? Question for Spencer. Spencer, do you think Bernard knows what they are? No, I do not think Bernard knows. I think he is purely curious. I think he'd like to know. I think he has built a rod into imagining what they might be, but I do not think he has any concrete theory, much less an accurate one as to what these things are. Interesting. I think he does. Really? Yeah, yeah. You, you think my, he actually my, actually knows what they are? You think he has a, a, a head cannon? With my that? theory is that like it's like 
it's like when you become president and they the, all of a sudden you can ask for the Roswell files and the Kennedy files and just all the everything. Like you didn't yeah. know that you know the nuclear stuff and that you know all the bomb shelters and the fallout places. You just know everything. I think there's that. I think there's that. When you become the head of IT, I think there's that threshold of like, okay, all right, well, now you get this. Now you get all this stuff. Did you ever hear before, by the way, that for an extended period of time what the nuclear football's uh, password was? Oh, God. Well, what? A password? Uh, zero six times. You had to be able to know what it was in a high-stress situation. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not – and, you know, you got to think like, it's locked like, before it's, you even get there. And it's always on the person of the president with armed guards. It's like he would take a pretty amazing situation to get it in somebody else's hands to even put the code in. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, he um, Bernard then says this, and I want to unpack this right here, what he says to Lucas. He says, it was hard to hear her over the water she left running. Nichols then broke her mirror, destroying the air quality monitor behind it, a criminal offense. And then on top of that, she showed you a hard drive restricted one. And what did you do? Interesting to me what he admits to and what he doesn't admit to. He's trying to offer something plausible for why they're here and what they know. He can't say they got cameras behind all the windows. They, as we sign up later, they don't even know what cameras are. That's just a fun actual revelation later. Uh, so he's got to provide some means for what, what knowledge they have and why they're in this room right here, right now. So he's willing to admit that we 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 have listening devices in her home. Sure. Everyone assumes that already, probably. But it seems to me that the the the, the top secret, the, the above classified, the super level, is this thing about cameras, recording, the ability to make video. They they do, they pretend like that's utter verboten. <laughs> yeah, no one even no one in the silo has any any idea what a recording device is, what a video is, recorded mm-hmm. image, any of that. I mean, they don't know any of that. Um, and it seems like that is something Bernard keeps very very close to the chest. Hundred percent, completely another way. He says, uh, "What did you do?" And Lucas, because I didn't do anything. Exactly. The sheriff showed you a restricted red level relic, and you did nothing. Judicial security team even came to her apartment, giving you the opportunity to alert them, and you slinked away. Our guy mutters that he didn't know it was a red level met relic, which I feel like <laughs> I really that will not good. save you. Yeah, but it, you know he's he, he is able to like pinpoint the he pinpointed the one like real leap in Bernard's question, line of question because he's like, how would I know? She showed you she showed you a red level relic, and he's immediately able to go, well, I didn't know that piece of it. Like you know, so he's, not, he's not a dumb guy. Not a dumb guy. It, he isn't, but he's being gutted like a fish. Well, I mean, I don't think he's being gutted like a fish because Bernard has like Bernard is like um, intellectually running circles around him. I think all of no, the trap, all of the trappings of power, make it impossible for Lucas to do anything in this conversation. No, 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 he's doing as well as he can. He just can't win. This is the Kobayashi Maru. There is no. This is a no-win scenario for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's. Uh, I think he's comporting himself just fine, but Bernard. Is a pretty intimidating guy, considering he's king or whatever. Uh-huh. Bernard goes on. Tell me, you're an analytical person. What do you think the consequences should be for okay. such an interaction? This is tough when you ask people to, to punish like, yourself. Hey, go like this is like the old southern thing. Like, go outside and find me a switch. Like, go go find the the branch I'm going to hit you with. Like, you you need to tell me how I'm going to punish you. Uh-huh. And we all know that if you come back with one that's too small, what the actual punishment's going to be thereafter. Yeah, that's basically what this whole thing is. 
and he he does talk about some of the potential things he might do but in the, in the po- in the process of this he also posits like i can't believe you would do this this you're just selling out the silo you know this this egregious behavior why because of a crush so he's he did he, that's that's pretty good that he's able to pick up that like lucas was romantically interested in her because i think even if you were listening to their conversations without seeing them which i guess he was seeing them sometimes um you, you really wouldn't know like it's not like they were they weren't like dating right like what it's not like you're not going to find like a um a smoking gun of the fact that they were romantically no, involved because the one it, doesn't exist he bernard had to intuit that it, it is a sub- accurate deduction from limited data. He's also seen Juliet. He has. And he also he also knows that Juliet was a prior item with George. So maybe maybe assumes that there's a certain type of play here as well. Yeah, he, that's right. You, he made the connection that you did immediately, which was, oh, Juliet's got a type. Look at this. Uh, you know, some nerdy computer guy here who doesn't have any friends. I've got two data points, but I'm going to use them. <laughs> Um, he says, look, I got no idea where she is. Bernard then does the bad cops are slamming the table. Ah, what does she want from you? Ah, you're lying. Mm-hmm. Ah, you know, that sort of thing. And I don't know that it does much other than reveal that Lucas did see the hard drive. And on the hard drive, he, he noticed a number 18. Which this freaks Bernard out. T- Tim Robbins, quality actor. His blood visibly runs cold right there. And he basically manhandles Lucas throws him into like uh, somebody else's to deal with him, put him somewhere, get him away from here. He then just yanks Sims into the monitor room, says they need a system wide scan for a hard drive serial number 18. One of the lackeys is like, yo, serial numbers are nine digits, boss. You, you good? You good? You've been drinking too much of Mayor John's liquid. And Bernard goes, I said what I said. I, I, I love Mayor. I, 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 I'll offer this as an early nominee for line of the episode, but he's just like, I'm dealing with an idiot walkthrough of where. This one has a, this one has two a one followed by an eight otherwise known as eighteen find it say what I said Bernard snaps find it and they go looking cut to Billings he's looking at the book he sees the picture of the ocean his hand is shaking fairly badly you know I am not limited data limited data mm-hmm. I am not so convinced that stress doesn't make his syndrome worse he seems to think it doesn't it doesn't affect it I am not sure I believe that. Bullshit from what we've seen so far. Stress seems to directly trigger it. Because yeah, he's pretty stressed. I mean, his hands are shaking really bad, right? Bernard then takes Sims. Oh, no, he had that. Um, for, uh, come back to the monitors, and Bernard seems quite stressed himself. Uh, Sims asks him if he's okay. And he gives him this one. Ooh, tough one. Mm-hmm. Very negligent in pointing a shadow. I know you think it should be you, Robert, but earlier today you hadn't. One of our guys sent agents to accompany your wife when she walked her son home from school. We are facing extinction, and you chose to protect your family before the silo. I suppose that's completely understandable, but now I wonder whether making you my shadow would be fair to you, your wife, the son, your son, or the silo. So basically telling him, like, oh. I noticed that you did that. You used the, the power that you have, the resources that you have to protect your family first, and we just cannot have that in my position because I control everything. So you're probably not next in line, bro. It's like, it's it's understanding, too. It's like, I get it. You did the human thing. That's just not a qualification for this job. Got it, someone yells. Says the hard drive is connected to a unit on level 17. Sims goes, 17, you gotta be kidding me! And he takes off. 
He's, I love that Bernard recognizes it, too. It's like Bernard's like, oh, Jesus. It's like his Sims is bolting away. Yeah, he just gives like a, God damn. Like, he gives a look like that where he's like scratching his face like, whoa. You know, and I'm sure, I am sure that Bernard is thinking, bold move, Juliet Nichols. Bold, bold move. This girl really? is wild. <laughs> bold move. You probably also think to a certain degree, I really hope for her sake that her family is completely unharmed. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. You might just skin her alive there. But, like, he, I, I do think that, like, he is continually rocked by how much of a worthy adversary Juliet has been in all of this. Oh, yeah. It's const- think- it's just constantly up in the air. I don't, th- I don't think it's fair to say he underestimated her. He just didn't fully understand how co- how completely applicable her skills would be in all these different situations. <laughs> So Sims is running, and he now commands every single raider to go to level 17. So he's doing the same thing that Bernard just told him he shouldn't do, which is to um, overvalue your own family over everybody else in the side. When you send every single raider to level 17 because your wife might be in trouble, you are doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. Juliet's still looking at the computer. We see Sims' wife trying to get the handcuffs off. Kind of Juliet, she opens a video of George. Well, labeled, start here. And it says, Jules pretty crazy, right? This is a video, or at least that's what they call it in the book four times. I'm making it uh, on a camera. Did you expect that videos would be this utterly foreign? They'd be this prohibitive? They've given us something to work work with there previously, that you know, cameras are not part of the normal course of things. They didn't recognize a camcorder. But I wasn't expecting videos to be that level of just completely foreign technology. Yeah, and what's so funny is that, like, looking at it through our modern-day lens is that, like, something doesn't add up. Because, like, to even be able to make this structure, to be able to go that deep into the earth and have it be, like, a sustainable structure that doesn't collapse in on itself or leak or whatever, that can hold up for hundreds of years. Maintenance required. (laughs) Then you clearly are at a level of technological progress past, you know, the age when we invented like video cameras and camcorders yes, yes, and all yes, of yes. that. So like something's not adding up here in the level of technology that we're seeing on screen. They, they went Amish to a certain degree here. They decided, okay, we had all this technology. Here's the level we're going to tolerate now that we're here. Yeah. So he goes on to say that if she's watching it alone, that means, well, things didn't probably work out too good for him. During this, Sim's wife has freed herself and has grabbed a mallet. He goes on to say that Judicial found out I have the hard drive. Things haven't gone out the if So Judicial must have found out I have the hard drive and things haven't mm-hmm. gone the way I wanted. As she's watching this, we see Sim's wife approaching in the background. A little horror movie element there where our, our hero isn't seeing the creeping person with the mallet or the hammer or the whatever. Juliet still doesn't know. George goes on. But Jules, there's stuff on this drive that people need to see the truth. Stop, says Sim's wife. Did you expect that she would not clock Juliet? Did that surprise you a little bit? 100% caught me off guard. 100% caught me off guard. I thought that she would like get a grazing hit and Juliet would dodge out of it to some degree. But the fact that she would, similar to what Sims is doing, basically put the protection of her family and her child above that of the silo's well-being, I, for some reason, wasn't seeing it coming. Do she you would, think that's what she's really doing? That's, that's how she how explains she, it to Sims. That is how she's at least explaining it. That's what she offers when it comes to it. Whether there's a certain measure of sympathy actually going in there, can't tell you. I have she, she some degree rather, of assumption. So this woman, this woman put a knife to her throat. No. She would rather not incapacitate that woman, attempt to reason with her, talk to her, negotiate, leaving her the woman with the ability to 
move around, move her arms, whatever. Kid in the other room. She'd rather do that than risk a stray bullet from a trigger-happy raider might hit her son. Like doesn't doesn't fully hold up, does it? That doesn't hold up to me. So I I don't I don't know what her real motivation is here for letting Juliet go, but I don't think she's completely honest with her husband. I'm kind of there with you. Where there, it, what, you could just take her to word that she's willing to risk anything other than her son. Any anything else can burn for all she cares, as long as her son and her family are protected. Maybe that's straight up truth. What she offers, but I'm with you. I've got doubts. She had a clean hit. Juliet wouldn't have seen it coming. To any degree. No. And she's Great. a very capable person in this space. We can see that by how she's operating, how she's talking, the fact she gets handcuffs off. Like, clocking somebody in the head with a hammer is not out of bounds for her history. It, 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 there either is another explanation here, or, it, it, I, I hate to put it in kind of these terms, it's either kind of not the best writing to try to explain that away, or there's another, char- another character of a mo- motivation here that she's not revealing. At this point, I've started to trust the writing, and I start, yeah. I, I'm thinking that there's something else well, going on here. And honestly, I, I, I'm willing to go ahead and start theory time in that. Uh, I, think she's, I think she's sympathetic to Juliet. I think she's way more sympathetic. I think that the, the entire judicial apparatus, when, when Juliet goes... This is what judicial is. This is what you work for. This is what your husband worked for. She gives the most plain Jane, like heart not into it, fucking reading off a script answer in response to that. She goes, my husband what? works for the good of the silo. It's not an impassioned defense of the silo. I bet you that she learned some shit in judicial. She does not trust judicial as an apparatus. And that's why she wants her husband to run it because she thinks it's all corrupt and bullshit as it is. Is that also part of the reason that she left after 11 years, too? And is now just working for IT instead? I'll bet you that's a big part of it. And then, and then it, you know, her. I'll bet you what we're going to hear from this character is that, Sims, you can, you can change it. You can make it good. You can Because, like, she's frustrated with it just like Juliet is, so she's somewhat well, sympathetic to her. Well, it's notable later that I think she even wants Sims to have more than just running judicial of where when... But let's get to the scene that I'll focus on when we and get there, there. And there might be a level of... She could have killed me, she didn't, so I'm going to extend her the same gratitude. Uh, a, a, a riskier thing to offer when it comes to well, these of course, scenarios. Of course, yeah, good man. Sims full on sprinting to the house, Bernard's watching. Cummins runs well. Not everybody runs well. Cummins runs well, I'll give him that. Well, he's, he's, in a, he's probably like a 50-year-old guy at this point, and he's got a flat stomach. And I'll tell you this, <laughs> if you're 50 with a flat stomach, you, uh, <laughs> you've, you've been working for it. Something is going on, because most men at that point have a pot belly, right? Like, he does it, so he, cle- he clearly works out. I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. Camera's still going dark all over. Camera's start going dark all what, over. What is that? Why are the cameras going dark? You tell me, sir. Because that one's not explained at all. That that just happens right here, right now, and we I don't see a clear explanation that's offered right immediately in the text. Yet. Yet. Bernard is confused. <laughs> Taunting bastard. Okay, fine. Go on. That's all I can say. He's dead. No, you're right. It does. It's not explained in this episode. Sims is running with a big crew behind him. Sims opens the door, goes inside, sees his wife and kid. No Juliet. Hugs them. No sign of Juliet. Cut to Bernard, who is frustrated. How the f- How does she keep getting away? How? Like he's yeah. sort of the impotent How? emperor screaming in his throne room. How does this keep I, happening? I, I, I'm with Bernard. How is she now with apparently remote controlling cameras to shut them down to help obscure her exit? That one don't make sense. 
To what degree are certain forces from down below hacking into Bernard's treasured network? I have suspicions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, I said yet. Like, I don't, we didn't get a, like a... It's, it's Walk, right? Walk's doing this to some degree. She's, you know, actively blocking things, or... It's, it's either Walk or it's IT dude, but I don't think IT dude's in the situation to do anything. Could have been Patrick. Who, who's Patrick again? The guy that she ends Pat, up... Patrick's bearded, bearded dude that she goes that, to. Yeah, that it's, she goes to at the end of the episode, who actually uh, is tapping into networks of hackers to help her. It, the, the, it's, I, it is very much either Walk or it's, in my mind, the uh, illegal dudes. Because she even says later that, hey, you guys are able to block cameras to some degree. So those are the options that are at least being presented. Why they're stepping in, maybe she previously negotiated something with them. It would have been smart, but I just don't know when she would have time. So we got a fantastic uh lead in here. What a what is what a segue. Podcast professionals. We see a shot of people worried in the silo. We see a guy who says he's working in IT. He walks over to a door, knocks on it. It's Patrick. It's Patrick, the same surly guy who was not a big fan of Deputy Martins, if I remember correctly. He's kind of cool now though, I gotta say. And the guy immediately reveals that he was lying at the checkpoints and when he gets in he sees Juliet, who is there, and he's like, uh well uh pff, bro, like this is the most wanted person in the silo. Why in the fuck is she here? And Patrick, cool as a cucumber. He's just like, look. Uh, first off, I'm pretty sure she's the ex-sheriff now. He says that. And Fair. And he goes, well, well, why am I here? And Juliet responds, because you're a part of the ring that hacks the silo security network and fences stolen goods from the marketplace. So there you so, go. He so, Patrick has access to people who can hack into the silo security network. Yes. Why they would have had, in that exact moment, hack it to protect Juliet, I don't know, unless they talked in advance or whether they're just helping her out because they want to help her out. I can't say, but it's the best we get as an explanation within this episode. I think it's fairly obvious that Juliet and Patrick have had some conversations off screen because yes. he's helping her when we in this scene. It's very clear he's helping her in this scene. Consciously and deliberately. And it, we, we did not get any indication that he's helping her because of a conversation that happened 10 minutes prior. Like we didn't, we didn't see how she walked into the room, right? So like it stands to reason that he, she could have talked to him days ago about helping her or whatever. The fact that she's even here suggests this is a pre-negotiated bolt hole for her to hide in. And that she trusts him. Yes. And that she trusts him. And, and I Seemingly think, for good reason, too. And Patrick does seem to me like the type of guy who would go, what's going on? Well, they said the sheriff wants to go outside and she escaped from custody. Now she's on the run. And he would go, huh, okay. <laughs> let me see if I can, let me see if I can help this situation. And he would yeah. start doing things, right? Um, I, that all kind of follows for me, but I don't, you know, we don't get a clear explanation here. Um, so he freaks out and Patrick is like, look, I said you, look, I said you were the best. I said you're the best. You could do this. And, um, <laughs> she's like, uh, why guys like, why are you doing this for her? And she goes, I saved his life. And he goes, she likes to think that's why, watch. but, uh, but really it's for the watch. So he's already got a rapport with her. Like they yeah. have like background. Like I, she- I think that more happened about this Juliet and Patrick from my, my interpretation of this scene, have had many off season conversations, off, off screen conversations. She gets along well with guys who know technology. <laughs> Through life. <laughs> easy, easy. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, maybe so. Uh, Juliet says she has another job for him. He says, no. And Patrick says, yeah. Yeah, you are. You're going to do that. Show him the hard drive. He says, oh, shit, the hard drive. That's George Wilkins. So the guy is very much locked into all this. 
I love the community that they have. They can recognize that thing on sight. This thing's been traded around like a yeah, bad that's card. That's the thing that George was walking around, basically, yeah. yeah. It was his at one point. You couldn't break it, apparently. It's a Billings. He's looking around the magazine. Look, and he's still really struggling, shaking or whatever. He gets up. He walks into another room. Seems confused about what to do. Puts it into an oven. Puts it into an oven. Takes it out. But? Rips out one page and puts it back in. Turns it which on. Which page? Which page? Do we? Do, I, I don't remember. Do we? Do we get to see what the page was? We do not get to see, and we actually get a scene in a minute where he's looking at it, and they do not tilt the camera to show us exactly what page did, it was. Didn't think they did. They'll wait for next episode. I'm sure. Do you have a prediction? No, actually, I don't. I'm almost assuming it's one we haven't seen before. If they're making to make that much of a thing of it. Yeah, I think my guess would be like maybe the ocean, because maybe he heard some of Gloria's ramblings. And he's like, maybe. huh, there's more to it. There's more to it, what these, quote, crazy people are saying, because this aligns with something I've heard one of our uh, incarcerated uh, people say. I'm betting it's one they didn't focus heavily on before. That's my, that's my bet. It's not, it's not going to be a, one that's been a main one for other people yet. <laughs> Cut to Juliet, and she's telling the guy, she needs to see the rest of the video. She explains that as soon as he plugs it in, they'll come running. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, about that, I can, uh, what's that? Bounce, bounce the signal around. Can, yeah, I he can, can, like, uh, he can Nord VPN this shit. Yeah, the VPN thing, they're always, like, being, <laughs> they're always advertising <laughs> on podcasts that always seem, like, slightly illegal. And I'm always concerned, like, how they're able to, like, advertise that on all these, like, main podcasts. But, yeah, the, that's kind of what he said he can do. And he... He throws out something that, like, I would think Juliet would have bid on, which was like, we could send him anywhere. Anybody we know to fuck with? You want to fuck with anybody? And, like, Juliet doesn't bite on that, but I fully expected her to be like, yes, it's fucking Bernard's house or, you know, whatever. I, 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 Billings. If Juliet, Billings if, Billings house. if Juliet had more time, she's in the category of people that have a hit list. Wouldn't it have made the most sense to send it to Billings house, though? Because then that would have confused everything. Because if oh, they, 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 they would have, because then they would have started thinking Billings was involved with her and it was just, the whole thing. If, if fucking Raider burst into that guy's house after all that's happened previously, that's a level of fucked up that even Juliet, I don't know if he's going to engage in to put that on that guy. Yeah, I don't know. She's so desperate now. She's just, she's just snake. Like, it's like, you ever, you ever like start to like really corner a snake? Like, so you're starting to put your foot boot down on it. Like you're trying to really get it under control and it will just bite and bite and bite and bite until you have it under control. This she's in what that, she's doing. She's in that last throes of, of biting. And I'm, I'm, I would boot bastard to, to fuck Billings over here. She probably just didn't think of it. She she lets them pick their own target they're going to fuck over. Someone that previously reported them for counterfeiting. Maybe this is even the alcohol. I'm not sure. Is this Holston's wife did these? Because he's looking at all the uh, um, the notes. The, the code the guy, stuff, yeah, yeah. The guy's the no- looking at her, at her notes. And he seems impressed with the notes that Holston's wife puts together. He looks at it and sees all the files. She then picks out a file that says start here. And we get the George video again. And then we see the rest of it. Describe it to us, sir. Well, first we get the book, book burning in Billings' oven. So Except for one page. He would not be a big... We wouldn't love him in 2023. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, cut to Bernard. See, I didn't, see how I didn't even make it political. I'm so good. Cut not to even... Bernard. <laughs> a little bit. No, I was no, just saying he wouldn't be appreciated. Cut to Bernard looking at a wall of monitors. Got it. It's on 98. So... He's immediately Bernard. He smells bullshit. Well, he's like, like, no, no it's not 17? on 98. How the fuck get the 98? Like, I actually, but I do think that like they chase it because he is now like everything's on the table. Like, he, I think he's skeptical, but I think he thinks everything's on the table. What? Well, right? He's not committing to that. He's like, okay, send two people just to confirm that that's obvious bullshit, but everybody else keep looking because that, that they're they're bouncing this signal around. 
at the Georgian, he says that he transferred to mechanical so that he can find someone to serve as a guy. See, this is the this is the last 15 minutes of the rom-com. Yeah, the, 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 okay. This is the thing of where this guy... I, I'm not willing to say this guy has made his full transition to heel to face. He is still a bastard. He w- went there to be a manipulative bastard. He caught feelings... But I'm still going to say he's still a manipulative bastard. What? I think he would still be a manipulative how do you, bastard. How do you watch rom- romantic comedy movie? You just said you were a fan of them. How do you watch them if you still hold it against the manipulator after they have apologized and said, I actually fell in love with you yeah. during the process of manipulating? No, no, no. You have to he's, still like you have to, you have to forgive the guy. Yeah, this is that rare category of rom-coms where the guy's doing the chase after he's already dead. It's like, you don't really have an opportunity to actually vet this. You're only getting his narrative. Yeah, but I mean, I think we, we're, we're meant to believe it, right? We're meant to believe this. I, I believe Juliet believes it. I got that one for you. Juliet seems pretty damn I think you're. I think you're this. getting too cynical here. I think we're supposed to believe this part of it. Well, you, you, just, you just referred to me as too cynical. Yeah, just like, yeah, I've already re- mined a whole new pathways of that one. This is reassuring Spencer. It's like a phrase that is nonsensical. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I believed this part of it. I, I did believe it. And he basically I, says... I don't think he's lying. I'm just not willing to believe that he would abandon the manipulative aspect of things just because he caught Felix. Uh, well, I think that, like, this is a... So, there. this is a watch when I'm dead. So, what would be... And he doesn't tell her to go do anything, really. He just tells he, her basically, can, like, a, can, I love He kind of tells her to go to the door. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this is... Uh, I think he could have told her go to the door without the whole, hey, actually, I love you thing. Uh, I don't know. It's felt to me like a type of thing you do what? when you you really do love somebody, but you're, uh, you, <laughs> he wasn't looking forward to the conversation with her where he explains that he was manipulating yeah, her that, to start with. That's almost more what I'm going for, is that would he ever, ever have actually said this in person? Probably not, because Juliet would have thrown him into the fucking generator, but like, I think that it's true. <laughs> Um, he says, yeah. I fell in love with you. I wanted to tell you today at Cooper's Shadow Party that I found the door. I've been looking for it. It's huge, maybe 15 feet high. I can't get through it. I'm going to guess that this is the door. Remember when we saw the little map of the silo and there was a yep. little tunnel leading up the bottom? Because yes. he's talking about the water, too. He's like, I'm guessing you're wondering what I did about the water. Turns out it was nothing to worry about. So I think he's got a plan for how to get down through the water to get to the door. Because, like, because I think the concern, like, the way he's, the way he's phrasing this is that, like, the door is that little tunnel that leads out, right? And I was trying to find it. We thought that the water would prevent me from doing that, and actually it didn't. Actually, I was still able to get to the, the door. Yeah, what they didn't notice that five steps below this, there's a different video that's labeled scuba certification. We'll get to that one in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Scuba certification down in the pond. Pat, as if Patty, George Patty course, right? As there. if George wasn't doing enough dangerous things. You just keep just keep piling on. Let's hang Clyde in the silo next. Well, if, if if you prefer free diving, that's on the other column a few steps away. I think that yeah, I think he was basically saying like you you can get to the door and you don't have to worry about the water. He was trying to reassure her about the water. Probably because he realized that she was scared of water. They had that conversation, right? They did, yeah. <sighs> anyway, so he says the important thing is the door's down there. You gotta find it. During this, the guys actually leave her to the video, giving her some privacy. I like this Patrick. I like this Patrick guy more and more. That was surprisingly courteous. It's just like, dude, we gotta leave. We we gotta give her our own space right now. You know, I think we were meant to like Marnes as sort of the like, uh, like, you know, guy at the beginning, but like, I could see Marnes being 
in the wrong. An asshole? A lot. Like, in the wrong. Like, straight up in the wrong a lot. Because he was in the wrong a lot, the little bit of screen time that he got in this show. So, like, I don't know. I, I think I like Patrick. And I, I don't think his his uh, issues with Marnes necessarily preclude me from liking him. That noise that you made was probably the perfect summary of Marnes' character I've yet heard. What? That's like the perfect summary of Marnes right, right, right there in a single just noise. <laughs> that's what he was meant to be, and we, but we were supposed to find him charming, but I think he is actually kind of a dick. Um, so, cut to Billings, uh, who's back in the office. He puts a copy of the pact in his desk, and Ed, guess what? He's behind the big desk now. He's behind the resolute desk. He's the chief. He's the boss. Well, he takes the copy of the pact that was sitting on the table, and he locks it away. And I thought that was... Sim- Meant to be symbolic, that this man is making decisions, and for the first time in a way, what otherwise has been front and center in his life, he's putting away in a closed drawer. You think so? You think that's what they're going for? I didn't think that it was like putting a Gideon's Bible in the, in, in the hotel room kind of thing. I thought this was meant to be a certain degree of symbolic of what, what he's putting away versus what he's focusing on. He's still holding that little sheet of paper so he tore out. So we're getting a different Billings. I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't think he left that room changed, holding this little bit of Georgia Georgia advertising that he didn't have before. He takes a picture out of the book. He looks at it. We still don't quite see what the picture is. Cut to George. I'm recording this video in case I don't make it, but people need to know why Allison Becker came out to clean. Remember what she said when she asked to go out? On here, look for the file labeled Jane Cambody Cleaning. Uh, Jane Carmody, I think. Carmody, whatever. Carmody, Cambody, whatever. Jane, whatever, cleaning. Mm -hmm. Look for that file. Back to Sims. He tells his wife uh, he wishes uh, he got there sooner. She's like, I'm glad you didn't. I'll let her go. (laughs) Just listen. listen. She's not even trying to hide it. No, she tells him. I knew you were coming with a bunch of raiders with a finger on the trigger. I call bullshit, as we thoroughly discussed earlier. that, That does not track to me that the immediate danger of letting this woman who had a knife to your throat a second ago just continue to exist unbound in your apartment while you try to negotiate with her is more than the fact that like think about the the levels of risk that she's talking about with having the raiders come in first off a raider would have to fire when they weren't supposed to and then a stray bullet would happen to happen happen to have to hit her her, her son like a, a raider really would also low have, percentage here raider would also have, also have to have a gun i have not seen these guys holding guns they don't always have guns no they don't so it's like it's an infinitesimal chance that this type right. of thing would happen if we want to, if we want to sign it more a larger chance in our own mind, though, it may. If we want to straight up just assume things, it may have been part of the basis that she left, where there was a an unauthorized shooting that she was a part of, and that ended her career with judicial by her own will or otherwise. Yeah, and that you know, I think, yeah, I think that would be just making stuff up, and it could be, it could be, it very well could be, but um, I, I don't know, man. I, th- I think we're going to get more on that. Sim says, I gave him order not to fire. I've been given those orders. I know what can happen. We have one goal, one ambition, and we will not lose sight of that. What? So, Sim, one goal, one ambition, we will not lose sight of that. I took that to mean that you take Bernard's job. It's interesting how much they focus on this. And she puts more emphasis on it than, uh, than even he does. Because he tries to brush it off. We'll talk more about it later. And she wants to keep coming back to it. Or you mentioned the idea that, you know, she wants him to run judicial so he can reform things. I don't. Th- I think she's more ambitious than that. She wants him to run it all. Yeah, I think she does too. And I think we're getting the um, we're getting the. I'm not going to use names because I'm I'm a new man. We're getting the um, politician's wife. 
you know, the the man, the 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 person behind the man, that that whole trope, you know, of you've got this like borderline Manchurian candidate that like is being pushed by the person that is behind them. I think we're getting some version of that trope here. So, says, I'm so happy uh, we'll come back to George. And George says this to Juliet. Spencer thinks it's all bullshit because he doesn't trust anybody. I'm so happy I got to be the lucky bastard in this fucked up place who got to be with you. So in case I wasn't clear enough earlier, I love you, Juliet Nichols. She mouths, I love you too, back. I didn't to, notice. Yeah, she does. She mouths, I love you too, back. And you get it on the um, subtitles. Subtitles tell you that she said that back to her. Mm. She's tried out to cry video over. Got the Sims at the wall of the monitor. Bernard asks how his family is. Bernard explains that someone is bouncing the address. They're good, but I'm better. We'll find it. Where can I get her? Where got Bernard? Last thing I ever do, I will get her. Uh, cut to Bernard, who is watching the wall of windows. Cut to Juliet, who is looking at some files. She clicks on Jane Carmody cleaning. Uh, she wants. Uh, she starts to watch it, and she says, "You guys, you got to see this. We hear." From the video. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Can anyone hear me? The display in the cafeteria, they have to see. Allison was right. The display is a lie. That's Juliet. That's Juliet saying that. Allison's right. Display is a lie. End of episode. We previously saw this video only in reflection of where it was on on, uh, George and Allison's faces when they previously watched this. Um, So we have seen this video before and seen the effect it has on people, but this is the most clear version of it that we had that... At least as as it's being presented, it is a pristine, idyllic world outside the silo, and as Allison called, everyone feels compelled to show the show the world inside what's going on. Do what do we think that what do we so let's let's go all the way back to uh, previous episodes. What do we think that video is? Do we think it's a it's fake, and they are showing it inside the display of? The person who's gone out in their in their uh, in their um, yes. suit. Yes, that that is what I think. That 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 is what I offered originally, and I'm still sticking to that for the various reasons I mentioned previously. Before. It, it's too perfect. Uh, it's it's both too too perfect and too. Tell me about the birds. The Tell me about the birds. It's always the same V of birds. Saw the exact same V when the sheriff was flying in the exact same direction. It's the same video that each now, of these people are seeing. I've got it on good authority that and, you and and there were no bodies. I've there got it no on bodies. good authority. Never any bodies. That you have a line to someone who knows a thing or two about a thing or two about birds. Uh, it has come up at one point or another, yes. <laughs> and and I would I would guess that you have some insider knowledge about birds. That birds don't really operate this way. They don't actually get in a line of about three or four of them and then fly up in the sky and just stop moving. <laughs> no, they don't hover. They don't. They don't. They don't uh, like <laughs> the exact, a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> they don't do a little circle around there all all, all the damn time. It's not that work yet. I have doubt. I, mean, I, I even called originally that I was like. That looks too CGI for this show. They've got a better budget than that. Are they trying to indicate this is actually fake that way? Or is that, you know, we're meant to believe that it's fake for that? I, I everything I've seen, I'm not convinced, but my headcanon is that what they're actually seeing on the mirrors is accurate. But what they're transmitting in, on the viewfinder, looking out of the silo, is to some degree accurate. I don't know whether they're doing some changes there, but it's to some degree accurate. While what they're transmitting in the helmets is decidedly not. My question is, how do they have a video monitor in the helmet? Like, that's pretty advanced stuff. It, it, it's just a screen. I mean, it, it, they're, 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 a curved know. screen that, that can... I mean, that's... 
They, they have curved screens that they're watching people on. They, I know, man, but like in 2023, that's like, that's a pretty, that's not something you just buy at Best Buy. Like, that's a pretty it, advanced thing. It is not, but as you said, the technology on this, and, and that they have in this world is schizotech at best. It is all kinds of different levels and different limitations that don't make sense. And as you say, the technology that would be required to even build this thing in the first place is far exceeding our own. Agreed. I don't. I don't think that we could build this with our current technology. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's on the table. I think we could probably build something. Maybe what? What do you think? Maybe fifty stories deep? Something? I don't know. But this seems insane. One hundred and fifty stories deep. I mean, that's. And my understanding of like digging that deep in the earth is that it gets. It's not. It's not a, a multiplier harder. It's exponentially harder. It's not yes. like when you get to two hundred feet, getting to two hundred and fifty feet isn't like a multiplier harder, it's like 10, 20, 30 times harder than getting to 200 feet was. And it that's just continues to too, get yeah. continues to get worse and worse. It's like, that's why we don't do a lot of building down. Like, that's why we've built up traditionally because it's how no. difficult that is. And just, just even building like, you know, NORAD bunkers, whatever else, that get nowhere near this size and nowhere near these deep is the label of, you know, congressional line items to make that happen. I also have like kind of a feeling in the back of my mind. I don't know this, but I have a kind of a feeling. Do you remember like um, when George R. R. Martin first wrote about the wall? And just like made it massive. He said it was 10,000 feet high or something. And then somebody had to like go back to him and be like, dude, do you know what that, how high that is? Like how, what? And he had to like back off it. I think now he says it's like 700 feet high or something, 1,000 feet or something. Um, I feel like that might be the silo. Like I feel like they got like uh, Hugh, Hugh Howie, right? The guy who wrote this. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he might have. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a hundred stories down, whatever else. I think he might have maybe mis, uh, overestimated how difficult or underestimate how difficult that would be. Uh, it still makes for a stark visual. Best again, line of the episode. I'm pulling it up right now. One second. Sure. Best line of the episode. I'm excited. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, a few of these best lines are just going to be uh, moment, moments in story, but Billings' story about punching the other kid was effective. It was effectively delivered. It revealed something about the character, not only to the audience, but to his wife. It taught us more about the wor- about the uh, the world the silo operates in when it comes to uh, the syndrome itself and how the syndrome works and what we didn't previously understand. That was just an effective bit of world building conversation right there that deserves some credit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a spot. Uh, this is coming from um, uh, Ian Glenn, uh, Sir Gerald Mormont. There's a spot halfway around the level one balcony where the railing is worn smooth by all the people who have gripped it tight before going over. I never imagined my wife would be one of them, but thanks to your raiders, Jules is all I have left. That was another little bit of effective world building right there. The, 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 the visual, the delivery when it comes to describing this standard suicide spot, the, to the point that the rails would rub over, that was just a real bit of like, ooh, that tickles the skin kind of emotional effect coming with a line. Uh, Agreed. Uh, line going back and forth between Juliet and Camille. Sims' wife, Camille, that's why I said it was? Camille. Yes, Camille! Okay. The, you, oh, God, now I'm not, not going to be able to not look at it that That's way. how I remembered it. Uh, uh, you know how to use that? No, not really. I figured you get this close, though, it doesn't really matter. Well, there's only one shot in there. How many will I need? Cold line. Effective banter back between two characters. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Strong. Um... Line from Juliet to Camille. Look, me firing this gun, whether I hit you or not, it's going to be enough. 
give your son nightmares for the rest of his life. I think Camille analyzes that well afterwards, but it's, again, an effective line going into psychology for that. Uh, Bernard's and what did you do speech going back and forth to the IT guy, Kyle. That was a nice build to it. He basically has the guy dead to rights, and he's just slowly adding the tension to him to eventually give, get him to get offer information that he needs. All that was all that was well done, well acted scene, and also quite surprisingly tense. Uh, and I, I think I think we have to give a certain degree of credit. I feel like this is the most important line because it's going to set where all the, all the next of the episode is going to go. But just the last one, Allison was right. The display is a lie. It's not the most impressive line. It's not the most you know clever turn of phrase. It's not the most revealing about the world. But if you want a line that's directly forecasting where everything is going to go from here, that one I feel like has got to rank high. Best line of the episode, episode nine, season one. Not a surprise here. Allison was right. The display is a lie. Um, because, you know, when you get this deep into the season, plot movement is, is what you prioritize, right? This is important. We have to, there's certain markers we're trying to get to by the end of the season. They're moving the plot along. This helps that. This is a pivotal, pivotal line in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're connecting events from the first episode now to the, the everything else that's gone on and sets up for some interesting questions going into the finale. Let's talk, uh... Suck Silo Citizen of the Week. Who do you think had the best week for the silo? And you have to define it. I'm going to offer somebody we haven't offered before. I'm going to offer somebody that we actually directly even undermined as a possibility before. But I got to see a different side of this character that I hadn't seen prior to this moment. And I think it deserves credit. I think it deserves recognition. Sir, I offer for your consideration Patrick as Silo Citizen of the Episode. Patrick as Silo Citizen of the Episode? We got to see a human edge. We got to see a degree of influence. We got to see a we got to see a degree of ability to work the system in a way we didn't previously understood. And we also got to see it maybe even a degree of being misjudged by by other agents of the silo previously with a character that I feel like deserves to give extra credit for. I think Patrick showed himself as a straight A good guy in a way that I didn't previously understand. And I I think it deserves special mention in an episode that has other, otherwise dealt with people. Being destabilized from where their previously previous loyalties lied. I would. Uh, I think that Patrick probably moved the most. Like his his movement, most improved player of the week or whatever. Um, yes. But I would say that I would also want to volunteer a nomination for Sims's wife. Interesting. Who I think has Explain. a pretty well. She has a strong episode. I mean, she shows that she's not just some judicial lackey. Um, she certainly has a read on not trusting the listeners or the the, the 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 lackeys from judicial that Sims orders around. She also, I think, dealt with Juliet much more reasonably than either one of us expected. There was that moment in the episode where I was like, were you surprised that she didn't just hammer Juliet in the head? And you were like, yes, I was. And I was like, me too. It's like she dealt with Juliet more reasonably than we expect. She let Juliet go. And then she's just open and honest with Sims about it and then um, tries to keep him on mission, which is a promotion. Uh, I think all around, I was just impressed from her character. She was a, she seemed like a very um, formidable person. I think that's how she was introduced. I feel like we've gone just a run of picking the same character over, over and over again. It's nice we got to pick two previously unrecognized characters as potential silo citizens of the week. Yeah, and I think that like you could say that Juliet is like making the ultimate sacrifice. There's a, there's an argument for Juliet because she's like clearly 
on the verge of sacrificing her life for this. But I think she took some L's this episode and, you know, she looks like she might be in, in a lot of trouble if she gets caught. So it's kind of hard to call her a winner. Per se. If she if she goes full martyr next episode, we'll give it to her then. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, let's talk some theory time speculation. I think it's, your, it's where you wanted to get to. Uh, we already discussed my theory that I'm going to previously reiterate. The, what the, the Jane Carmody cleaning, what everybody has seen outside, when, when everybody was seen on the screen on their own individual helmets when they go outside, video feed being either played there individually or being cast into the, cast into the suit. Not real, edited, not actually, not actually or accurately painting what the world is outside. And if that's true, it's going to add a massive degree of interesting tension when it comes to what Juliet and gang are now fighting for of where they're now going to publish the lie, if it is a lie, thinking it's true, and the world of the silo will never be the same and never be able to be able to walk back from that. Whew, yeah, so there's that. Uh, the 18 keychain. The 18 hard Here drive. Here we go. The number 18. What do you think the it means? Fact, the fact that Bernard even says when he's, the 18 hard drive thing goes off, see, when he's... They're, Limited resources, limited control. He feels the need to say, I'm going to need an escort. Is he just going down to the janitorial closet? Did he have to go somewhere else first? I think he had to go somewhere else first because he didn't end up in the janitorial closet until later. I don't know. Um, but this 18 keychain seems like it's in some way sending a message to him that he doesn't feel comfortable explaining to much of anyone. Hmm. Nothing to add there too important? <laughs> I don't think I can say too much on that one. Uh, the syndrome coming from child childhood, that's ah, interesting. Yes. I had that one pegged completely wrong. Um, the fact that this is some way genetic, the fact, as you noted, a wonderful thing you pointed out there, this is actually written into the pact. That is foundational and expected in a way that is cannot just simply be written away as some psychological result of being underground and deprived of entertainment and humanity for forever. I have a question. Yeah. If, as I posited earlier in the podcast, it was codified into the pack, therefore had to be around in relatively large numbers before they went underground, could it possibly be part of the reason they went underground? Could it be linked to that? If, if, if we're sticking to the idea that the world outside was actually blasted in some way, that they had to retreat underground for some purpose, if this is some you know neuro neuroagent or something else that actually affects people in a way that can actually stick in their genetic code. Sure, yeah, 100%. And before they could get everybody underground in the silo, they, um, you know, a lot of people were affected by it, and they were just seeing some of the legacy effects of that. Very interesting, very possible. Curious about that. Uh, close connection between Raiders and IT, the reasons that Sim's wife moved, we talked about that to a certain degree, why she let Juliet go, we're going to debate that one forever. Uh, what's behind the 15-foot-high metal door? I'm with you that it seems like it's that little, um, on, for, the, for the map we've seen of the silo, it's definitely that at-the-bottom side hallway that appears to go off. What it actually leads to, I can't say, but the fact they built it suggests there's at least something there. It's notable that George didn't know either. He just found a door. A big damn door. 15-foot-high door that far underground is just excessive. Uh... The whole Bernard Shadow thing, you and I have done, we've been debating and talking about to what degree IT replaces itself. This does establish that it is, again, indeed a means of self-selection. They aren't elected for this. They are controlling, same as it was down in engineering, who comes after them. Mm -hmm. um, and Bernard dangling this over Sims is 
I don't, I'm assuming it's intentionally manipulative, but it's also just practically manipulative in terms of what effect it has on Sims and what his goals are. I also just don't feel that Sims would be perfect for the job anyway, but I, I think Bernard knows that and is still just using it as a means of keeping Sims loyal for possibly years in the past and certainly into the future. Hmm. Uh, that is what I've got for Theory Time for Spencer. I think you always have to be very... I think you have to be very... How can I say this in a way that like doesn't alienate people? You have to be very careful about a boss or a job that constantly dangles a promotion in front of your face you never get. Sure. I think you have to be very... Everybody has to be very careful about that. And it seems like Bernard has been using that as a motivating factor for Rob. And like, but not ever actually committing anything. He hasn't even made him for... hasn't even made him a shadow yet. Much less given him the job. He hasn't even made him agree that he will be the shadow. Like he's way steps ahead of this, but it seems like Rob's entire existence is built around this idea that like he can, he can attain this, right? So uh, I think it's like a cautionary tale. You got to be careful when somebody keeps telling, he keeps dangling that carrot, but you never seem to get to bite it. That's a problem. I I ask you, my friend, do you know offhand what the name of our episode 10 is? Uh, I don't remember. No, I don't either. I'm looking up right now because I'm curious. I would say, since this this segment is also theory time and speculation, I think it would be remiss without any sort of speculation that we're going to get maybe a little bit more of a connection to episode one in the finale. They keep bringing up Holston, Allison. I expect Flashback? I expect that. I expect that we get a little bit more of an explanation about what was going on with Allison, what was going on with Holston, and that it all connect to what we're seeing as, as Juliet's you know, day-to-days and, and struggles in the last six or seven episodes have basically unlocked to the viewer more information about the apparatus of the governing structure of the silo. Hell, it's their bodies that will prove the accuracy of what the, of what the image is. Because if, if, if whatever we see does not display their bodies out there on the screen, then some aspect of the world we've been portrayed is a lie. I am interested to, to see the display conversation. I want to see you you deal with that in the in the finale because I they I mean that that was the tee up for the last episode is this display of you know Nirvana or the perfect world outside yes the the, Car- the Carmody image and you have been steadfast since we saw that in like episode two or whatever I, but like that is bullshit and like you, you have I, a different I, whole theory about how this is going down I, if I'm if I'm wrong about this feel free to openly mock me because I've been harping on this one for a while all right anything else you want to chat about before we wrap up episode nine. No, I, I'm looking. The episode ten is entitled "The Outside," and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I think this is just an example of a show that just has gotten better as it's gone on. It got yeah, straight. It it's fine. You know, I think everything from the acting, the writing, to how they put the episodes together, how they cut it, cut the whole thing. It all just got better. It just it feels like they just took the training wheels off in the back half of the episode or back half of the season. Uh, I'm excited for the finale, of course, but that also makes me really excited for season two. And I hope this prolonged break between the seasons because of the actor strike doesn't affect uh, the momentum the show was showing in the back half of season one because it was really starting to tell a compelling story. Uh, all right. I think we'll be back next week with the review of episode 10. That's the finale. And that'll be the last time we are with you on this podcast feed to review Silo until season two debuts whenever it inevitably debuts. So we'll be back with you next week to review the finale. See you then. Woo!